This episode is brought to you by Storyblocks. Storyblocks makes it possible for content creators like you to bring your stories to life without sacrificing your vision due to time, budget, or resources. Head to storyblocks.com slash 302010. That's storyblocks.com slash 302010. And let them help tell your story. Damon Wayans and John Lovitz take center stage. Disney makes its first movie based on a theme park ride. And Austin Powers says goodbye this week on 302010. 302010. 302010. For decades, every show sometimes associated videos. 302010. 302010. Surprises and excitement. Yes, we're going to the 90s and 2000s. And 2010s. On 302010. Welcome, everyone, to 302010, the Laser Time Network's weekly pop culture time machine, taking you on a lovely journey 30, 20, and 10 years into our pop culture collective past. Hi, I'm one of your hosts, Chris Antista. Who else is with me? I'm Diana Goodman. Better a pig than a fascist. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm and by pig, I mean literally a pig. I got literally the reference. Literally a pig. Mm. <laughs> and I'm J.R. Rawls, and... I cut my hair with a weed whacker. Beat me up, Scotty. <laughs> I don't get that one, but I'm sure I will in a little bit. You will. Welcome to 302010, where you look back at the world 30, 20, and 10 years ago from this week. This week being July 22nd to the 28th. And we'll be looking at the years 1992, 2002, and 2012. 302010, get it? We'll tell you all the cool movies, uh, TV shows, video games, music, and some minor news uh, in between there that came out during that period. We'll help you organize your life. Remember where you are. So get ready to open three little portals into our into our past. It's going to be fun. Got to thank right off the bat our, our patrons at patreon.com slash lasertime supporting this show. VGA, Lasertime, the whole network. Got a bunch of bonus shows headed your way this week. And uh, hopefully going to record another look at an 82 movie tomorrow with JR, right? Um, yeah, yeah. I think this is the first time it. I've agreed to it, but I love that movie so much, so I can't resist. Not going to uh, tell you what no it is. Spoilers on which it is, but it's the best Star Trek movie. <laughs> 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 yeah, yeah, that's probably not debatable. Uh, but yeah, patreon.com slash laser time. Thank you guys so much. Five bucks, give you a bunch of extra shows, and we'll keep this train moving. 1992, July 22nd to the 28th. Little big news uh, to get you into the world of 1992. Uh, Colombian drug lord Pablo Escobar escapes prison. Okay, prison needs it's to be great. an air quote. This is an, okay. I didn't know what this until I watched Narcos. This is insane. Yeah. Yeah. So the Colombian government was not the most powerful or stable governments in relation to its drug czars. No. So they made a deal with Pablo where he would serve five years in prison that he could design himself and which he could pick his own guards. Yep. And yep. then in a shocking turn of events, he designed a luxurious hotel called Pablo Hotel Pablo and his guards who he hired allowed him to keep running his drug empire. Keep doing his business. It's who like could have seen this coming. Yeah, it's like it's like that scene in Goodfellas where they're making pasta in prison, but with like a palatial like island and, and pool table. Like they had everything. Yeah, they had a jacuzzi. They had a pool. They had you know prostitutes coming, coming in. And out. in. Oh yeah, no, they got La Catedral. It's a cathedral. It's, it's yeah. A luxury hotel is a good way of putting it. Yeah. it it's almost yeah. too incredible. One of those stories that's almost too incredible to believe, but but also like how how tied 
the government's hands was with this cocaine trade and wasn't getting help from the government, I believe, until we could blame communism from our government. And uh, yeah, watch Narcos. That's yeah. the only information I have on this. Yeah, but yeah, he, he yeah. did successfully escape, but then he ran into the wilderness and he spent 16 months there. Wow. Uh, so we'll be talking about his death in 16 months. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Well, because and the reason that he escaped is because the government said, like, yeah, I think we might move you to a different prison for a while. Well, they said that because he kept having people murdered yes. from his prison. <laughs> he kept being like, eh, kill that person and that person. He's Let's controlling elections person. and the drug trade from a prison he got to build for himself. It's just an utterly crazy story. And is almost it's less of a slam on Colombia, but how big cocaine was. <laughs> mm. How huge a business. There's no business that should ever boom like that ever again. It, it was just such a crazy business. Anywho, let's you want to get back to movies in 1992? Our bread and butter on the show? What an assortment. This yes. is another week that is just so full of movies of like, what? What? I've, ne what? I've never even heard of this, and I cannot what? believe who stars in it, along with the cast. Look at this cast. Tuesday night, Gene Smart, uh, Cheryl Lee Ralph, Eli Wallach, Christopher Walken, Laurie Metcalf, Robert De Niro, Danny Aiello, Jace Alexander, Martin Landau, and Arliss Robert Wool. Is he the <laughs> in the He's movie? The star. In the movie Mistress. He must have written it. No. No. Strangely not. It, this one of those is like is a little bit hard to find, but I and every review I found talked about it, comparing it to kind of to the player because well, it's, it's a movie about making movies. Player. I mean, yeah. even though there is no way that they saw the player and then were like able to bust out this film in a short enough time, mm -hmm. I, it wants to be the player, and it it's so not. It's just one of those Holly weird. Am I right, film? Uh, yeah, it's about a guy. He's finally getting to make a screenplay that he wrote ages ago, and he's trying to pull together the money for it. But every guy has a girlfriend that they want to put in the movie. Ha ha. Uh... Yeah, that's pretty much it. Although, yeah. Trying to pull together money for a movie is going to be something we talk about later, too. Oh. Because we have a, a, a weirdly funded, part crowdfunded, part finish funded movie in 2012 to talk about. Wow. And its sequel funding is even stranger. But yeah. Yes. Whew. Oh, yeah. Well, so uh, the reviews were like, yeah, it's fine. It's, it's cute. It's, you know, well, movies about making movies, you, you, they're. The hit and miss ratio is not great. I love it when you look it up on Wikipedia and like the distributor of the movie is in red font as in like this company doesn't exist and has no fans and there's no information on where this movie might be. So if, if YouTube, I'm going to guess, where would you even find yeah, this movie? I think it seems to be written and directed by like a friend of Robert De Niro's because he's popped up in a bunch of other things with De Niro since then because he was mostly an actor. Yeah. Very, very prime. Like, yeah. And it's like, oh, and he's also he's in Righteous Kill. Like, oh. Okay, yeah, so and, they're bros. And cool. Grudge match and the and the, uh, the Irishman. All right, and uh, oh my goodness, you want to talk Trouble oh, Productions? Get me. There's 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 too many movies this week. That's just like, how did this happen? And and a movie. I want to love this movie so dearly. <laughs> yeah, I do. You, too. you might be able to say that to every single movie in the 1992 segment. You think so? Yeah, yeah. I, I suppose I, they, they're all a little. I wanted. I really wanted to love this movie because it has it's so weird and it has so many of yes. my favorite people in it. And and I, I I think I've told the story elsewhere on a podcast. I wanted to see this movie so bad. I'm a little kid. We're in our free summer camp, which is like 
I can't even imagine now outdoors all day in Florida at a local park where our counselors, I, I, I go on walks there now, are like 15, 16 year olds who you, people still put their kids in charge of like kids in, in charge of kids. It's crazy. So what we, we wanted to see this movie so bad. My friend Steve and I snuck out of summer camp and went and saw this like shit, the movie theater's right down the street. Like, yeah, in a car. It's like, <laughs> I, I don't even know if I should spoil the end of the story because we did this with this movie and nothing happened. And then the next, oh, there was... we, we just walked back in. We just, four hours later. Like, I don't notice kids when they're exactly. gone for three and a half hours. So we did it the next day and everybody noticed. And all of the authorities were called because as a little kid, I, you know, you don't realize you are disappearing with multiple kids in the middle of the day with no cell phones. From a summer camp for this for 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 <laughs> Kathy Ireland Dwyer Brown Eric Idle Wallace Sean uh, uh, Thalmus uh, Razula Razula uh, John Lovitz Jeffrey Jones and Terry Gar and Mom and Dad Save the World a thoroughly unlikable film. <laughs> uh, this is this is a bad film and it's yeah. not even entertainingly bad for me. My sole nostalgia for this is I have a very vague memory of being in a rental store and saying oh this looks good and my friend going no no, <laughs> no. it's no. we're not even at the age where i can detect like is this movie bad because this d- watch a trailer for mom and dad say it looks cool the production design is pretty incredible and i don't yeah i th- i thought i've heard bits and pieces about its production that well it's a 14 million dollar film in 1992, double that, $28 million. That's a solid budget. Yeah. Okay. With, with a bunch of people a who aren't stars, aren't movie stars. Yeah. Most of the money is for the special effects, the settings, the all, all that stuff, not the... The dog people who marry stuff. exclusively fish people? This movie is so fucking yeah. weird. And, and, and I, yeah. I, and, and, I, I oh. was trying to figure out how, how did this get made. And, and the best thing I can figure out is that the screenplay is by the Ed Bill Sol- and Ted guys. Ed Solomon. Yeah. Yeah. Which I, yeah, I, I, I tried to find it. Solomon. I didn't because get to poke I, around I, as much I, as I wanted to, but I wanted to... He's pretty just, open about his screenplay plays and he just doesn't talk about this movie very much i think it well, may have been something you were ri- him would you want to talk about well, this i i thought i've heard bits and pieces through john lovitz john lovitz mm-hmm. who was a huge if, if you liked snl and john lovitz in league of their own this guy should be <clears throat> in a big comedy movie and this is what causes john lovitz to leave snl because this movie was mm-hmm. shot two years john lovitz has been off snl for years this movie was in the can two years before its release and i thought i had heard it was a little edgier and are possibly r-rated because that's the only reason it makes sense because it's it has the tone of the kid kids movie but removes all children all children Mm -hmm. you got budnick in there for like four seconds the kid from blossom and they're just gone (laughs) this is my big question what because this film is targeted at children Mm -hmm. what's the most successful children's entertainment that solely focuses on mom and dad it's maybe (laughs) i would say maybe your fantastic four comics maybe a disney fairy tale about people becoming parents but not like middle-aged 40-year-old parents it's middle-aged 40-year-old people who is the intended audience's parents as the stars and not interacting with their children or other children in any significant degree it's just them off their own if they were child-free it would not change the plot at all no the the fact that i'm because the the plot is pretty much flash gordon's plot (laughs) 
<laughs> the Flash Gordon movie. And the same thing, it's like, oh, well, the sets and the costumes kind of make this worthwhile. Uh, where a evil space king um, kidnaps parents. He's going to blow up the earth, but he, he kidnaps Terry Gar and Jeffrey Jones because he's going to make Terry Gar his wife. And yes, and- premises, everyone on this planet is incredibly stupid. Just yeah. like the dumbest of all time. And we're, we're we, not just, that's not a judgment. They introduce themselves like that. We are a planet of all idiots. Yes. Like a fucking Douglas Adams short story come to life. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it, it's... It, I, I, I tried to like watch it with an open mind again because I've I've never loved this movie. I think it's got a great title and it looks amazing. It just sucks wall to wall. This is a movie that should be remade, as I'll say many times. Whoa. Remake bad movies great. with good premises and great titles. Yeah, I think it's a great, yeah, title. great title. Yeah, um, it's like yeah. they kidnapped the whole family and the kids were along. Yeah, I feel like they then the kids movie part kind of kicks in where it's like the kids have to run around on this planet and save everybody. <laughs> who, yeah. who wanted to see the world Start saved by with. Jeffrey Jones? Yeah. <laughs> Who's complaining about his back the whole time? Yeah. You know, I've had some back problems and it's not an exciting thing being like, Oh, I don't want to do anything active because it's painful for me. Wow. Great. <laughs> Let me watch that guy. Our hero, ladies yeah, and gentlemen. Yeah, good job, you know, refusing the call to action. Okay. But yeah, the only thing that I can recall laughing in this film at was when Jeffrey Jones is encountering a bunch of bird people and it's revealed that they're all wearing bird masks to disguise themselves. And he asks, oh, you have birds this size on your planet? And they're like, no. And he's like, then why did you think being giant birds that don't exist on your planet would disguise you? And they're just like, oh. You're a leader now. Yeah, you're our leader now. You're our leader now because we're all really stupid. And the only, the the saving grace who's not on screen a lot is John Lovitz, who is great in it. And the only thing I saw Ed Solomon talk about it all, he's like, that was a really fun character to write. And obviously inspired by Donald Trump. And it resonates as a Trumpian character to this day. Mm. A leader who loves himself. I didn't get that (laughs) i don't think it was directly almost every 80s movie villain is inspired by donald trump just Mm. (laughs) sort of all we had is the non-stop talking billionaire but yeah this should be a total obscurity but it's on hbo max because warner brothers got involved so it's never not been available but it should be one of those things you need to like know someone to hand you (laughs) well (laughs) it it left Theaters like that. Yeah, I mean, it was released in theaters, and then it, yeah, two weeks in theaters is a redonkulously short time in 1992. Yeah. 92. Unbelievable. Mom and Dad Saved the World. I can't recommend it, just wasn't. No, don't recommend it. I know it's so weird. It's so weird. Anyway, think of the children, Chris. (laughs) No children (laughs) listening to this. Uh, A hard recommend, on the other hand. One of yeah. my favorite Ghibli movies because of how weird it is. Porco mm-hmm. Rosso, I guess, hits America this week. No, hits Japan. Hits Japan. Okay. So, oh, we don't we don't get this for. I think many, DVD, many years. DVD. There's a couple different like they do American dubs like a couple times, honestly, mm-hmm. before we get this seriously. Before it's, we get the superior yeah. Michael Keaton dub. Yeah, I the Michael Keaton did dub. a good job. Oh, I listened does. to the dub because uh, I was watching it with my children, and I thought he nailed the character, honestly. Yeah, well, that's I, I think we've got to tip our hat to John Lasseter in Disney. I w- I'm glad they were able to keep those dubs once their affiliation with Disney was complete because those that was the big hindrance of like getting these things in, in front of mainstream eyes, getting really good quality voice casts, and that's when... You know, in the Princess Mononoke days, we started getting Ghibli all the time. Now, I don't know 
yeah, I don't know when this movie got released. I remember seeing it for the first time on DVD. Like, the Spirited Away guy has another movie I've never seen. Jesus Christ, what a time to be alive. Yeah, yeah speaking of weird yeah. trips. Uh, December to 16, 1994 is the wow. first U.S. release of this. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, speaking of weird trips to. <laughs> to becoming a feature film. So this started out as Hayao Miyazaki made a short manga and then was adapting that into a short just for Japan Airlines? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Just for that. Think about that. And, a short sure. for an airline turning into a fantastic full-length animated feature. Yeah. An animated feature has 95% on Rotten Tomatoes. So it's about a World War I Italian flying ace and somehow turned into a pig and i feel like the movie's kind of implying that like war turned him into a pig he's a war pig because <laughs> the, the the act of killing kills something inside you something human and it's just really interesting and it fits in with miyazaki's obsession with white which yes. the more yes. you learn about the guy the more it makes sense like Some so of many my, of his movies it, have it, like wonderful sequences of people flying and finding out like his dad ran a factory that made parts for japanese warplanes yes it's it's, it's hard to say those movies are my favorite of his but they are the least kid focused because like mm -hmm. obviously spirited away princess mononoke those are like flawless films but i do tend to rewatch more wind rises and this because it does deal mm -hmm. with an obsession with italian culture in uh, Mediterranean mm. culture, and I, you know, I love that in The Wind Rises, like, a guy interested in aviation, but, like, we're the Japanese. We're making the worst fucking planes in the whole war. Uh, <laughs> what about these beautiful red monstrosities coming out of Italy? And uh, yeah, Just the idea of, like, that something so wonderful as being able to fly is being used to kill people. Yes. You know? yes. And then you're flying in, like, Kiki's Delivery Service or My Neighbor Totoro, where it's, like, just the magic of flying. And then he has a comment on that of, like, it's the magic of flying! to murder and, and yeah. they seem like personal films i can't say this but ghibli doesn't make a lot of straight up comedies and especially miyazaki yeah. there aren't i can't think of one and honestly. this is this is one well lupin it's it's in, in terms of the tone it's a lot like that lupin movie he made yeah and, and but i love this film i love i think it's gorgeous i love we have brought it up like years ago people were wondering at the time did, did tailspin steal from this or did this steal from tailspin just it was a different no. world, no internet, mutual thought occurring on two sides of the ocean. Yeah, uh, there's no way the timelines could intersect on no. those two things. But yeah, it is a really great film, as uh, every Miyazaki film I've ever seen has been. Yeah. And it was his most successful film at this point in time. Mm. This is wow. when he really starts taking off. And, I can see that. you know, if, if this had, had bombed, there would be no Spirit Away. There would be no Princess Mononoke. This is the start of Miyazaki really becoming big, big, His, big. Na his name meaning something. Like yeah. a moving yeah. film. Because, I mean, these films in, in Japan, I believe, like Spirited Away outgrows Titanic in yes. a similar time period. Like, they are huge. And this, and this is a movie I think a lot of people didn't catch because it didn't get any wide theatrical release. It's like right before that really starts happening and you could at the time I remember you could only discover them on like 29.99 standard definition DVDs in the 2000s so check track this down I think it's on HBO Max as well uh, in America it, and on Netflix abroad um, it's great one final point about this film is that Miyazaki's critique of a lot of anime is that you'll have these giant huge missile sites with this incredible thing but they forget about the person inside mm -hmm. of those gorgeous machines and what miyazaki says he tries to do is to always remember the pilot 
always focus on the human interaction, not just the cool tech. And that is absolutely on display in this journey of a pig who maybe becomes human at the end. It's ambiguous. They don't talk about it. It's great. And uh, yeah, but it's also like a, it's like a, I love showing Miyazaki movies to my friend's daughters because it just instantly connects like all of them. But this is like a, like kind of a boy movie. It's one of the weird boy movies right there in the middle. That's interesting because this film connected more with my son than my daughter and usually with Miyazaki at the reverse it is it is and I think they're appealing you know to whatever gender it doesn't fucking matter but it just it is totally different feminism though that Mm -hmm. him not not trusting a female mechanic and then it turns out like the whole squad of female mechanics including like the little old grandmas and everything they kick ass obviously I wonder I wonder how the movie fared in Japan against the actual number one movie, the American box office, because you know it got <laughs> this got a release overseas. Matt Doherty, uh, Larry Brandenburg, uh, Harry J. Lennox, John Dale, Joe Santos, Stacey Dash, Marlon Wayans, Damon Wayans. It's number one at the box office. Say it three times. Mo money. Columbia Pictures presents yes! Damon Wayans. <laughs> in an all-American success story. Hey, what's happening, bro? What are you? About the pursuit of Mo. Which jewel would you like to see, gentlemen? That one. Mo Money. I looked. Read it off. Woo! Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Gay people are funny. Uh... It's funny to be feminine because being feminine is bad. <laughs> I can't. I, I can't defend those things, but I really. I love Damon Wayans doing his men on film character. Uh, it's the thing. It's the routine that got him fired from SNL. Look it up. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep. But yeah. I think the first movie he ever wrote, first thing I ever saw Marlon Wayans in. And... All of 20 years old, Marlon wow. Wayans. Can you? 20. You know, there are nine Wayans. I wonder how the rest of them felt about like, just Marlon? That's really? You don't have it? There's not, there's not seven other people needed in this movie? Thanks a lot. Thanks a lot, Damon. I, Keenan Ivory's <laughs> like, I put you on my show uh, in Living Color. <laughs> but uh, I love this movie as a kid. It is kind of a perfect flavorless vehicle for a really good sketch comedian well it i don't understand well, as good as we movie. get it, well i don't understand because if it were just a comedy about a scammer mm-hmm. okay it's a guy and he pulls a bunch of scams and each scene he'll be doing some different scam and it'll be funny and okay whatever but this also is about like corporate espionage and murder yeah <laughs> like what <laughs> Why? Why? Why are there murders? Dana Carvey didn't have this kind of luck, and because he didn't write any of, other than that fucking Master of Disguise movie. But I think he was an equally gifted sketch comedian of the time. And this is a good movie for a guy who does impressions, basically, and plays different characters. It doesn't hold up very well, but like again, as far as night, we talked about the '90s time capsule nature of movies like Encino Man and Boomerang that's just this warm glow that washes over you I do get that from Mo Money but there's a lot more ethnic and <laughs> taboo humor in this film that I, oh. I, I it's, it also makes it difficult to recommend as someone who hasn't seen it because that might color it for you but uh, yeah I feel like without nostalgia I don't see like it is I would recommend Boomerang a hundred times over Mo Money <laughs> I just, I was a huge In Living Color fan and a huge Damon Wayans fan. So. I, I like that too, but. And he got an R rated movie. He got, a, he got to make his own R rated movie his way, and I appreciate that. And, and it, it was I, number one at the box office. The box so office. the 1992 audience was eager for this type of humor. Yes. <laughs> and I believe sort of kind of kicks off the Damon Sons 
and eventually <laughs> leads to him leaving in living color for a film career, which is is odd, but Major Payne's great. And I'm I'm a fan of Blank Man. What? 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 You don't like oh you don't like Major Payne. No. <laughs> uh Mo Money, what do you think? Difficult to recommend, a recommend? Mo problems, that's what I think. Uh but whatever. <laughs> if you can handle it all all that, it's a it's it was a decently fun rewatch. It was, it was, I, my jaw didn't hit the floor anywhere near as much as some of the other movies this week, despite the datedness of some of the humor. And again, I like a good R rated comedy it's from someone. I'm guessing the studios weren't sure anybody would know Damon Wayne's at the time. Uh, he's just popular on that Fox show, the lowest rated network. And, uh, yeah, yeah I think it's, yeah, yeah I, I mean, mean, we've already seen Tommy Davidson try to make a movie. No, I think they, I think they knew. Well, we're not going to spend a lot of money on this. Yes. But yeah, give him a shot. Uh, you're going to have to play like nine characters, Damon Wayne. Is that okay? Yeah. You know it. In these snaps. Yeah, twice. executive produced it to make that happen. So yeah, good for him. Yeah. And then, uh, uh, oh, this might be the biggest the biggest thing happening in the world Yeah. <laughs> in, in yeah. terms of television. The Summer Olympics open in Barcelona. It's kind of my yeah. first. I always remember the Olympics kind of happening and I'd see it in stores, but this is the first time I remember really engaging with it. And this is a big reason why. This is a big one. Uh, We'll get to the biggest part of this Olympics, which live on forever. Uh, But before then, there's a couple of interesting things about this specific Olympics. This is the first Olympics in which Germany is competing as a unified country since the time the Nazis hosted the Olympics in 1936. It's the first time in which various nations that were part of the former Soviet Union are competing as individual nations. And they all qualified under the old Soviet system. So they had to scramble because the collapse of the Soviet Union is only six months old. So they qualified for it as Soviet citizens, but their countries have started to exist. So the Olympic Committee was kind of scrambling there. Like, uh, are you sure you guys have enough Estonians for this team? Because uh, you you competed as Soviets and you qualified, but uh, some of your team's not Estonian. And then like, okay, we'll find Estonians. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Yeah, that's not far from the mark. Yeah, I know. Yeah, but yeah, uh, the biggest biggest part of this Olympics, which has gone on to live in history, is the freaking dream team. Oh yep. my gosh! Uh, up until now professional basketball players in non-NBA leagues were allowed to play. Only the NBA was banned. And they decided to change that and uh, every other nation started trying. It does seem... It's not like America was not already the basketball powerhouse just playing with our best college players. It does seem unfair and I don't really know how the rest of that works. Like there is, you know, isn't there soccer in the Olympics that pros can play in? <laughs> There is, I think there is. And uh... well, basically, as I understand it, the argument was, look, in a lot of these countries, these amateur athletes are being paid by the government to do nothing but train. So really, we should have our professionals be able to compete uh, against these people who are effectively professional athletes. Just wink, wink, nudge, nudge. It, it, it seems unfair. But, yeah, I just remember reading, you know, basketball, as far as American sports go, really made better headway in being globalized more so than football yeah. and baseball. The world does like basketball. So now we yeah. get to show the yeah. world what we can really do on a world stage. Oh my God. Yeah. And okay. what happens is hilarious in that 
all the players from all the other teams are just so fucking starstruck. Yeah. <laughs> They're bringing yeah. cameras to their own matches to take pictures of each other playing. Like, oh my God, get me and Jordan in this shot. Yeah, my hero just kicked yeah, the shit out of my team. <laughs> I literally saw that. I didn't go to the Olympics, but there was a preliminary game in Portland, Oregon. And I went and saw the Dream Team. And I did see players from Estonia or wherever just be like, oh my gosh, look right. at me. You know, it wasn't the selfie. <laughs> That's why age, I brought up were... how widespread basketball was. Like the world does know it's not like shot put. There's a standard yeah. for basketball. And now if you're another country who's not America, you're playing against those icons. I have to imagine it would suck, but like everyone looks like they're having a great time. Uh, oh, I, I, <laughs> uh, hey, I, I, hey, ask me if I'd like to play against Michael Jordan, Scotty Pippen, John Stockton, Patrick Ewing, Chris Mullen, David Robinson, Charles Barkley, Clyde Drexler. Carl I like play, <laughs> and yeah. one college player, Christian Letter of Duke University, chosen over a little boy no one liked named Shaquille O'Neal. Would I play against those people and be absolutely decimated? Yes. Would I have a smile on my face the entire freaking time? Hell yes. Absolutely. I want to tell my kids about the time Charles Barkley punched me in the face <laughs> and I got a free throw. And that was kind of the, the worry though, because like, all right, obviously they're going to just beat the shit out of everyone if they can play as a team, but yep. you got all these all-stars. Can you turn them into a team that can function with each other? First of all. And second of all, can they not end up looking like bullies? Right. And bringing Barkley along was part of the problem. <laughs> <laughs> Barkley is a shit talker. And yeah, he like threw an elbow and people were like, dude, we know you're going to win. Yeah. Don't you're going to be all right. And, play yeah, dirty. Also, they didn't bring along the eight boy. Actually, nobody liked Isaiah Thomas, which was kind of a shock because he was such a fucking all star. But the story kind of to this day is Jordan was like, I'm not coming if Isaiah Thomas is coming. I oh. hate that guy. Well, I know what it's like. Other players back up. Like, no, we don't like him either. Is that addressed in that Jordan documentary? Yes, it is. Oh, and you didn't mention the co-captains are Magic Johnson and Larry Bird. Well, frickin' a. I mean, geez. I, I remember, like, I, I was a light basketball fan, but then you know, you go to the Scholastic Book Fair and you got to buy a poster, and like, well, this one has the most. It's like a greatest hits of every basketball player yeah. ever. If you got a Dream Team poster, holy shit! Of course, See, I want one of these guys the in a poster. Only time I've ever been into sports in my life yeah. on a significant scale because i was 14 my home team the portland blazers were up against jordan's bowls uh, at the height of jordan mania so i was like all in that and then i see the dream team play in front of my eyes in pdx That's crazy. and that i was just like i sort of okay. overshadowed that you said you got to see the dream team that's still pretty yeah. nuts yeah, <laughs> that, that is pretty cool. Yeah, reading reading back on some of the stuff was pretty fun. And the, like, all right, well, who do you get to drill against them? Oh, <laughs> like how how do you practice? Right, games? robots. And so, uh, yeah, robots was probably a good idea. No, they they got kind of best the best college players they could get, including Penny Hardaway and Grant Hill were in there. <laughs> so basically, guys who were about to go to the NBA, who were like as good as they were. And the one of the coaches specifically in one of those early matches intentionally was making like bad calls and like sending the wrong guy in just so the dream team could lose once and know what it feels like. Of like, guys, you actually have to be a team. And, uh, yeah. So I did the math. That team combined 23 NBA championships, 15 league MVPs, 117 all-star appearances. Wow. And 
all of them are in the basketball hall of fame on their own except for christian leitner wow wow yeah, and, and I, I i tried to look up real quick just in the, again this is me using uh, this platform as crowdsourcing did they get paid and it looks like they didn't initially it was just like nope. your patriotic nope. duty but they did get licensing uh, oh there was licensing yes up the wazoo for this yes but, oh yeah and I think eventually the the dream team now does get some, but it can't. It has to pale in comparison to what they're paid by the yeah, NBA. Yeah, I'm sure Nike is what they're really after. Oh, Anyone yeah. going mm-hmm. on the Olympics basketball team this day is like, I'm here for my patriotic duty. Wink. Wink. And to get a giant yeah. sponsor. Reebok, holla. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and some of these guys, when they were college players, had already played in the Olympics. So there is yeah. a certain amount of like, oh, yeah. And also, again, would you pass up the opportunity to play with these guys? Yeah. No. Oh, oh even uh, if you break your knee and ruin your career? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I, I, I feel like this was the most powerful the Dream Team ever was. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, you know, just because it's the first time it was allowed, you had the most people going, I'll do it. Well, it's, sure, I'll do it. It's like comparing Expendables to Expendables 3. You know, we'd never <laughs> seen this, this kind of assemblage of all-stars before in our lives. It's you can't yeah. really do it again. Actually, that's a, that's an awesome comparison. That completely fits. <laughs> it really was. Yeah. <laughs> when we get to 2012, we'll talk about they keep doing this. Yeah. There are three teams every Olympics, and they're really fucking good. But I, I also think um, as uh, in terms of getting – growing up, up until like a few years ago, no young person was really into the Olympics at all. and But everybody was sort of at least aware of the NBA during this time. It had never been bigger. So I think for mm-hmm. young people, this got a ton of young people interested in the Olympics. Uh, mission accomplished. Yeah. Well, yep. yeah, well, we're coming out of the all the years of, you know, Lakers versus Celtics mm-hmm. in the finals. John's, uh, Magic versus Bird over and over and over. Also, remember, Magic has retired because mm-hmm. he's HIV positive. He comes back for this, and there are some teams who don't want to play. Looking at you, Australia. They wow, said really? they didn't think it was safe. Yeah, they boycotted. Oh, boy. And everyone, and they just look like dicks. It was pretty cool. That it was like, everyone went, what the fuck are you talking about? But at least we can say we didn't lose. Never mind. Battle show yeah. Jackson. Uh, <laughs> like, what are you talking about? But that, so, yeah, that is cool. as interesting. And we, we, when we get to the final, we'll talk about who are the other teams. Yeah. Because... There are some interesting other teams. That's what I, yes. Minor Google glance. I love you, Lithuania. <laughs> other dream, there is a documentary about the Lithuanian team. It's called The Other Dream Team because that story is fucking insane. All right. I haven't heard this story. I got to yeah. check it out. Oh, yeah. Lith- Lithuania, like you said, they've been a country for about a year. <laughs> they have a bunch of players that were drafted by the NBA and the Soviets wouldn't let them go, but they don't have any money. So they get funded by the Grateful Dead. <laughs> they they wear tie-dyed uniforms in the lithuanian flag and um they kick some ass wow. wow i love them and this is by far the biggest thing on television this week we just get a bunch of other endings i just want to play this because i never liked this show but i loved the opening just because i it's the saddest sitcom opening i've ever heard in my life dear john <laughs> starring oh my god what's his, i just had his name in my head Judd Hirsch. Judd Hirsch. It opens up with him walking into a room alone, picking up a letter. It 
opens up with a sad man reading a yeah. sad letter and like <laughs> and then multi multi-camera sitcom and I, it just made me think like I don't have whenever anybody says dear john letter I think of this stupid fucking intro because yeah, I don't me? think a hundred percent. We might be yep. old to you, but none of us have broken up with anybody via a letter. That is never. That is <laughs> not. None of us have had that experience, and uh, I, I just don't even know what it comes from, other than this sitcom. Even though this, no, no it, it's a, it's an old yeah. term. Sure, it's of course, just, it's something people did before texts and emails. It was just, I don't want to be around you when I tell you that you're not worthy of me. Oof. So. <laughs> Because that's what a breakup really is. Good. Sorry to, if you've been broken up, I'm sorry to depress you further. But that's what people are saying. Nah, nobody listening on the show has ever been broken up with. They're all champions. All champions. <laughs> uh, but it's saying, I don't want to be around you when you see this. So here's a yep. letter. But the show itself, when it first premiered, it regularly made the top five rated shows on yeah. Nielsen. Wow. You know why? Why? For the follow. It was Cheers. following Cheers. There you go. Which is, you know, like like we talk about with the Friends shows sometimes, that's cheating. Yes. If, if you're following Cheers or following Friends, your ratings are not really yes. yours. If you're in this Caroline um, in the City horseshit spot. I, I just remember see, I, I seeing it syndicated so much. Like if I go to the beach with no cable, it, it only got four seasons, but it would be on yeah. every day there. Yeah, it was uh, 92 episodes, just barely syndicatable. Uh, what happened was after it was doing really great, they were thinking, this is awesome. The president of NBC pulled the producer in and said, we're moving your time sh- slot. We're replacing you with the show Grand, which we all, we all know. Yes. Of. Yeah. Yeah. Later on, Seinfeld. But they said, we know this sucks that we're replacing your awesome time slot with a bad time slot. So we're not just going to give you a full second season, but a full third season as well that is unheard of that is a crazy thing to have happened but in the (laughs) second season it dropped out of the top 10 in the third season it dropped out of the top 20 and in the fourth and final season you can't really find it anywhere significant it was just Mm -hmm. so you know the basic plot is there's a bunch of these divorcees who have all been dumped and they're in a group therapy yes to move on with their lives and a great show for a little kid to enjoy but <laughs> i don't know why i watched it i 100 percent watched it as a 8 to 12 year old and that's not really a great subject matter no. for an 8 to 12 year old especially when my parents were going through their divorce which oh, is that time frame maybe maybe that's why maybe, maybe it helped. i don't know but the concept itself is kind of vaguely addressed in the finale because in the final episode of Dear John, they have the person running the therapy go, none of you have learned anything in four years. Because <laughs> that's the premise of the show. They're all uh, doing this group chat about moving on with their lives. And it's like, why haven't you moved on in four years? But yeah. Dear, the most was anyone the- was going to talk about Dear John in 2022. You're welcome, everyone. You're. I've, I tried to research this. I try that and there is not a right. dear john community out there to like the anecdote i had about it getting a full second and a full third season came from the one youtube video on dear john i could find wow. on youtube that was not an episode of dear john the entire <laughs> series of dear john is on youtube uh, but oh there is God. like no one talking about it except for one of the actors of Dear John, someone you've never heard of, and he's not even a hey, that's guy, has a video talking about memories of Dear John. And that is the only 
analysis of Dear John I could find. Oh my! And uh, and then... I still see Jerry Burns pop up on stuff. <laughs> it's like the one guy I recognize from his show. It's and... like, oh yeah, he's a hey, it's that guy. Well, speaking of shows nobody's watching. Oh my God, yes. In which I went back and looked. It's it's not it was not a bad show. Uh, and then had because I I saw it once. Ricky Ticky Ticky Two says you. It, it, well, because uh, the talk show wars are, is always kind of a fun time to harken back on, and there's none more obscure than the Dennis Miller show, which begins after Arsenio shows, hey, a show in syndication can compete against The Tonight Show and whatever David Letterman's about to do, because David Letterman is like just going about to get started. There's only The Tonight Show to take a stab at, so why not no, get the no, most famous Let, weekend update? Letterman still has late night. Letterman's still at late night. Right, right. He's after the tonight show right we haven't gotten to the move yet so yeah letterman's just doing weird shit late at night he is at late night but jay leno is definitely getting tonight show and jay and uh, david letterman is definitely getting a competing talk show against him that is something that is definitely happening so before that can happen will happen but it's definitely happening because what's happening because if you look up some of the information here i think chris is talking behind the scenes news that is in the trades and Diana, you're talking about the actual show. I mean, even even in the movie The Late Shift, they make one mention that Letterman is still on when Leno is on. He's on after yeah. Leno. But yeah. like, this is all happening in Dennis Miller. Remember Kathy Bates' character in The Late Shift? Mm-hmm. He blames Dennis Miller blames her for like the blackballing of guests, which they're already starting to do. And Arsenio, it's funny during this period, Arsenio Hall comes out in defense of Dennis Miller, like fuck Jay Leno yeah. and fuck the Tonight Show. They create a hotline to save the show where you can also donate money to pediatric AIDS. It raids, raises like somewhere between like fifty dollars and $80,000 and doesn't save the show. And I watched the last episode. He says, I don't want to be the last one out of the embassy. And he like gets on a ladder drop from a helicopter and is pulled off the stage <laughs> as trash blows Real everywhere. Timely, 30 years later. It, uh, I, I, sorry, I, I'm trying to look up when was Letterman's move to CBS announced because August 93 is when it actually starts. But I remember when the announcement came, everyone went crazy because mm-hmm. CBS did not have... There's no other, There's nothing but The Tonight Show. But that, yeah. I feel like that's an official announcement. And I feel like every trade paper was like, when is Letterman going to Yeah, once they signed Leno, he was out of his contract. When does Letterman leave? Yeah, yeah, and Letterman's going to go up against The Tonight Show. It was something everybody knew was going to happen, which created this mad dash to like, let's get some competition in there before Letterman can start up and steal some of this Tonight Show audience. And and, and, yeah, and apparently Helen Kushnick, fabulous. his his agent, was instrumental in damaging the Tennis Miller Show's ability to get guests. I only watched the show, segueing into our next show, because he's the only talk show that had on the hosts and puppeteers of the Mystery Science Theater 3000. <laughs> and it's written about uh, the Kevin, who's the voice of Tom Servo? I lost it. Uh, Kevin Murphy? Kevin Murphy writes about it in the Amazing Colossal Episode Guide, being, watching Dennis Miller sweat and be miserable as his show is in the midst of being canceled. <laughs> and he gave them <laughs> shit for doing uh, Maroon. She's like, that's a good Gene Hackman movie, baby. Space Travelers? What are you doing? It's so boring. <laughs> But uh, this week, The Killer Shrews airs on MST3K with the, the short uh, Junior Rodeo. <laughs> okay. The Junior Rodeo short is one of my favorite shorts of all time. Mm-hmm. It has, I rewatched the episode, and it has a line which I didn't realize I've been quoting for the last 30 years. That's an idea. Not a good one, but an idea. 
I have used that for 30 years and it's just become part of my vocabulary along with mm, that's good booze. <laughs> I, I do want to encourage people because for some reason the other day I just couldn't think I just needed background noise while I'm doing my dishes and I just put on that MS3DK channel on Pluto TV and like it's this week it's just been like the radio that plays in the background. If you don't like the idea of watching a whole movie with people talking over it, try the shorts. The shorts are splendid. A trip to the farm. Oh, Hired. It's, Hired know, is so great. Hired yeah, let's go door to door and sell cars. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, that could probably work these days if you had any cars to sell. But the this was, in my mind, one of my favorite episodes. But in re-watching it, I realized I think that's the short. And the episode mm. itself, the movie is too uninteresting to make a fun watch let me recap the entire plot of the killer shrews people arrive on an island they go into a room they drink in that room they drink some more in that room oh no killer shrews are outside of the room they drink while the killer shrews attack the room then they put barrels over their head the end but the killer shrews are like collies that someone put some bath mats on and a little mask and you just like half of them their tails are wagging while they're attacking they're so happy this is such a good show and i i think uh, at the end of the week i don't know if you i think you'd only see it if you paid mst3k kickstarter but gamera returns this week light plug for something happening now new yeah. gamera movie in mst i cannot wait the uh, other uh, thing in a lot of sci-fi films there is i'll never believe that this crazy thing is happening to me but in this film there's the most easily convinced man in the world. This is a clip on what it takes to convince this man that there are giant killer shrews about. There are two or three hundred giant shrews, monsters weighing between 50 and 100 pounds. And what's more, they are beginning to starve. No wonder you didn't want me to go out there. Thanks for saving my skin. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Conflict resolved. Hashtag believe women. Uh. <laughs> Diana, there are 100 to 300 giant killer mole rats outside of your house. Do not go outside of your house. That's better you than... can't tell me what to do. I do what I want. You don't know me. It's better than the skunks outside her house. <laughs> better than the real skunks outside of her house. Oh, sometimes they're under the house. Oh, boy. They're trying to take my house from eminent domain by skunks. And then, uh, move, <laughs> I, move. No, this movie's so boring that, yeah, I remember one of the sketches is, hey, let's make a board game of this. Wait, all the pieces are glued down. <laughs> yeah, because don't go anywhere. <laughs> I, I'm having an MST3K renaissance. I love that show. Uh, Recommended everyone. Let's get into the video games in 1992 because they're all amazing clue for super nintendo if it's a board game you got to have a nintendo game yeah but they changed the board game like the snes does not play clue the way you and i play clue which is never well i i mean like they changed some things so that it's not really the board game anymore but not in a fun way are you playing it against the computer against or... the computer yeah it's like how can you play it against other people because everyone can see your card right right you and, must change it. yeah and you can't have christopher lloyd here to save everybody and tim curry also out on super nintendo uh, Game Boy eventually. Spanky's Quest. It is not the Little Rascals game Diane and I wanted. No. Spanky uh, is a literal monkey. So, Chris, in 1992, did you oh. play Spanky the monkey? Hey, come on. Why am I? 
why am I the guilty masturbator here? We were all doing no, no. I I had not played. I played this once. You could emulate stuff. But it's, I it's a weird game. You create a bubble, and if you bounce that bubble off of your head, it becomes a basketball that can hurt one and only one enemy. But if you bounce it off your head two times, it becomes a line of soccer balls. If you bounce it three times, it becomes a rotating vortex of death volleyballs. <laughs> and four times, it becomes a rain of balls. I'm not going to make a joke there. I think JR would have at my expense, but I'm going to let it sit. <laughs> I'm going to let it sit and just tell you. I, I was like, why was I thinking about this game recently? Like, oh, that awful Switch Online subscription service I should cancel. You can now play Spanky's Quest as part of that Switch. Your oh, Netflix for n- n- Nintendo's awful Netflix plan. You can play Spanky's Quest. And uh, one of the weirdest games ever, Race Driving for Super Nintendo. It's not a weird arcade game, but porting a polygonal racer to the super nintendo which was amazing it could happen it is like one frame a second about I, one I, third of the screen has moving what? objects on it chris is generic fucking title slightly <laughs> but i genuinely and truly and am not exaggerated when i say i think it's four frames per second yeah it's really it really, really hard to look at yeah it will hurt your eyes and you you don't even race anyone. No, you're just driving. <laughs> it's just driving. Just to get the point A to point Not B before the, before the time point ends. A to point B. It's a lot of races like that. There are no other cars around you. Uh, it, it's, I don't understand. It's, it's what we were dealing with. Diana, I think we made fun of the title. We mm-hmm. talked about the arcade game. It's either the sequel to or the precursor to hard driving okay. it's part of the same series but yes it's out on super nintendo not important music That's of right. 1992 july 22nd to 28th baby got back by sir mix a lot of still number one but look at that new releases we got your arsenal by morrissey no one will get tired of him business <laughs> ne- never personal by epmd gordon the debut of bare naked ladies and mary j Blige. what's Whoa. a 411 which is on the rolling stones best 500 albums uh 2020 as of 2020 it's on their best yep. 500 albums list so let's close out 1992 with Real Love. You know this song because we're all looking for it. We will be right back with 2002. Are you a content creator like the good folks here at 302010? If so, I don't need to tell you how time-consuming it can be to go searching for that perfect video clip, image, sound, or piece of music to put the finishing touches on your latest project. How nice would it be to have a huge library of royalty-free content at your fingertips? Well, I have good news. Storyblocks is here to help creators like you bring all your stories to life without sacrificing your vision due to time, budget, or resources. Storyblocks gives you access to a huge, demand-driven library of 4K and HD footage, After Effects and Premiere Pro templates, music, images, sound effects, and more to give you everything you need to bring your stories to life. Assets are royalty-free, so you can use your downloaded content anywhere for commercial and personal use. Their unlimited all-access plan includes over 1 million assets in their library, including things like the background music you're hearing in this very ad. Whether you're a seasoned content creator or someone just dabbling with your first YouTube or Twitch channel, Storyblocks offers a selection of flexible subscriptions that fit every budget and scale to give you all the content and tools you need to focus on what's most important, creating. 
So what are you waiting for? Get started today at storyblocks.com slash 302010. Once again, that's storyblocks.com slash 302010. Coming into 2002 with Beautiful Mess by Diamond Rio off of Completely. Um, welcome to July 22nd to the 28th of 2002. Some other new music releases out this week. Full Circle by Boys to Men. I don't know what that means. Is this their last album? Their their album is a trio. I forget when that guy died. Welcome to Blue Island by Enough's Enough. Wait, this is 2002. Yeah, Enough's Enough album. Uh, 500 Degrees by Little Wayne. There we go. Dead Ringer by RJD2. I brought you my bullets. You brought me your love. The studio debut of My Chemical Romance. Uh, Man with Ooh. a Memory by Joe Nichols. Now it's 2002. There you go. And Revolver Lucian by Public Enemy. Man, not a great album title for such great lyricists. Hot in Here by Nelly is still number one. Welcome to 2002, everyone. This is going to get weird. <laughs> Let's get a little bit of news to bring you into what's going on in the world right now. How am I supposed to say this? James Trafficant, Trafficant mm-hmm. is expelled from the United States House of Representatives on a vote of 420 to 1 after he's convicted of 10 counts of bribery, racketeering, and tax evasion. Yeah, mm, this is yeah. the most recent time someone has been kicked out of the House of Representatives. Yep. And, 20 uh, years ago. And this only happened five times. Three of those guys went and joined the Confederacy. And before this, the <laughs> <laughs> most recent time was in 1980 of another congressman busted for bribery. And his name was Michael Myers. Oh, yeah, it's a, we're about to bring that full circle. <laughs> and now, and now, now you just get stripped, of, you get stripped of your committee assignments and do even less work yeah. as your punishment. But let's listen to the type of congressman James was because... Oh. Everything you are about to hear was broadcast on C-SPAN, so it is in the national record of Congress. This is, this is what Congress says. That everything is written down. So everything you hear is part of our historical record forever. Am I different? Yeah. Have I changed my pants? No. Deep down, you know you want to wear wider bottoms. You're just not secure enough to do it. Prove it, sucker. Prove it. Prove we're wrong. Do I do my hair with a weed whacker? I admit. Beam me up here. Do I wear skinny ties? Yeah. Coach, wide ties make me look heavier than I am, and I'm heavy enough. Are you wondering how I've never been a quitter. I don't think I'll quit now. Mr. Gephardt says you should. Gephardt has no balls. Beam me up. I say it's time for Congress to shove these illegal tactics right up the assets of the IRS. I think it's time for our president, Mr. Bush, to say, read my lips, get out. What? Like, just the contrast of how popular he would be now. <laughs> well, he tried it again. I mean, he, he oh was my God. A, a Democrat from Ohio who was not really a Democrat. He voted with Republicans like more than he did with Democrats. But yeah, he did seven years in prison. And then when he got out, he went Tea Party and he tried to run again. Wow. And um, yeah, <laughs> surprised that he failed. Yeah, it, it's shocking. Because people vote for this sort of shit just because it's fun. Have you ever read how little Marjorie Taylor Greene does? Like, it is just a big fucking show. A giant yep. troll has voted on almost nothing and has no assignments. And that's too much this. CrossFit. 
Yeah. Also this week on the 200th anniversary of his birth, French author Alexander Dumas, Dumas, his ashes are scattered in the uh, Pantheon in Paris in a televised ceremony. Weird. Yeah. Uh, did yeah. they still have his ashes or did they find his corpse? <laughs> I, I, I think they had him lying around somewhere, yeah, well, but he was like, okay, after all this time, yeah, you're French enough. Let's get you in the <laughs> you go in the Was that his wish? Yeah. But don't scatter them until my 200th birthday. Yeah, they weren't scattered. They were interred. He's, he's, oh. His ashes are in the building now. Mm. Not just thrown around. He could do that too, I guess. Okay. <laughs> Movies of 2002. Give them, give them out to tourists. Here, you want you want a teaspoon of Alexander Mott? <laughs> we'll put a little in your churro. Enjoy. And uh, Movies of 2002, July 22nd to the 28th. Uh, who is Cletus Tout? Uh, starring Christian Slater, Richard Dreyfuss, Tim Allen, Portia Del Rossi, RuPaul, and Billy Connolly. What? I've never heard of this. I want to have a dinner party with them. I don't <laughs> want to watch the movie because the movie doesn't sound very good. Yeah, it's mistaken a comedy identity. about mistaken identity. Yeah. A hitman sees everything in terms of movies. 20-year-old diamond heist, yawn. Is this Slater's last attempt at stardom as like the star star? You know, uh, he's in uh, things after this, but I don't feel he's like the headliner. No. Yeah, well, he's moved down to the smaller indie movies like this. That he can yeah. headline those. Okay. Yeah. That's... But as a Hollywood star. No, he's past them. Yeah. Uh, speak, speaking of indie, a, a great film that is personally near and dear to me is also out this week. Mary Steenburgen, Timothy Hutton, Alan King, Jane Alexander, Edie Falco, and Angela Bassett in uh, John Sayles' Sunshine State. Um, yeah. Uh, not... I don't know if I've ever seen a John Sayles movie that felt like it wasted my time. Even when they're not sort of about anything and they're just like this. interesting characters hanging out. Like this. And I, I I, have a lot of complaints about living, being from Florida. Probably more specific than you just, all those silly headlines you might read about Florida. If you watch this movie, you'll see what I consider the beautiful parts of Florida. And that's the beaches and the rivers. Uh, there's so much great canoeing and kayaking and we have the best beach i try not to say that too much i don't want people moving here we have the best beaches in the fucking world and i I don't know of any other movie filmed at these locations amelia island specifically a place i've been over and over again and uh, i've never seen a movie shot here i've never i I remember smoking the bandit too you can see some of the white sands of florida beneath the grass because they're trying to approximate some of the location but almost no movie (laughs) shoots in this area and sunshine state is this hyper indie Super personal tale. I didn't get to rewatch it, but uh, I, I own it on DVD, and my dad and I like it quite a bit. And yeah, no one has really represented the decent side of Florida in a minor dramedy ever so well. So mm-hmm. I'm personally recommending Sunshine State. With a Greek chorus made out of golfers? Yeah. Because they, they, they just walk everywhere. We, you got the wiki watchy mermaids in there, too. You ever seen them? It's just shocking mm-hmm. that still exists. The underwater women, they have little hidden tubes and mermaid, underwater mermaids and wiki watchy. It's kind of neat. Very yeah. old timey. Yeah. I mean, it's a couple intersecting stories that I guess one of the overall themes is, is uh, worrying about development mm-hmm. and race relations about how, yeah, things are great, but things are segregated. Mm-hmm. And, you know, why why can't why can't we just get along? And, and but just, not like heavy race relations, more just sort of like, yeah, why we just are this way because like we've always been this way of just like, oh, they live over there and we live over here. Why the, why we gotta do that? I really like uh Edie Falco, and I don't think I've oh, seen her yeah. in a sizable role 
of, of this of this size before or other than Sopranos since this. And for the most batshit movie I think I watched, <laughs> bothered to watch this week, Jesus Christ. Al- Diana, you must know Alex Rocco, Mo Green in a ginger wig for no reason is in this movie. Mm-hmm. MC Ganey, Daryl Chill Mitchell, Stephen Tobolowsky, Stephen Root, Kevin Michael Richardson, Toby Huss, Brad Garrett, James Gammon, Candy Ford, Diedrich Bader, Haley Chill Osment, and Christopher Walken in Disney's The Country Bears. Again, I want to go to that dinner party. <laughs> I don't want them voicing fucking bears. They're off on the ultimate family vacation, and you can come along for all the Disney fun. Yeah. So wash the car. Ah, hey. Your hair looks ridiculous. My hair. Take a cruise. Ah. Hello. Huh? And share some memories. This is my baby picture. This is yours. <laughs> on the ultimate Disney adventure. Yeah. Disney's The Country Bears. Waiting Jeans. This is one of the most batshit fucking things I've ever seen in my life. I've never seen it all the way through, and it's bizarre to watch it in HD on a large television, but it's on Disney+. Plus. It is... I'm a big fan of Disney history, blah, blah, blah. And that by that, I mean pre-acquisition. And this is so pre-acquisition, this is at Disney's clear mandate of, like, everything's got to be a franchise. Fucking everything. And... I don't care what the I don't care what the the wiki says. This is the first theatrical movie based on a ride that Disney has yeah. made. There have been Mission t- of Mars don't count. I don't know. I couldn't find more information and refused to try why the third revamp of an Epcot ride was alleged. I think they just owned by the same company. That wasn't even the it's plot the of the title. ride. They, just, they took the name. They just took the name. And there was a Tower of Terror movie. Uh, Terry Jones TV made a movie. Mr. Toad. That was a TV movie, never yes. released in theaters, so I don't think it counts. Terry Jones made a, a Mr. Toad movie that's really more of a remake of Wind of the Willows with, you know, some aspects that then inspired the ride. This is the first Disney ride made into a movie, and this is the IP they have to deal with. We're two years shy of the big ac- their first biggest acquisition. I'm not talking Baby Einstein. That happened before, even before that. The Muppets. And this is the plot of the Muppets movie. Like, almost exactly. It, yep. And it's based... They're closing down Bear Hall, so a bear who was adopted into a human family and doesn't quite realize he's a bear is going to save Bear Hall because he's a big fan and, of the and like the Mupp- Like the 2011 like, The Muppets movie, yeah. the bear's biggest, the country bear's biggest fan, who was also a bear, is in charge of reuniting, saving the bears and holding a, holding a show to save the blah, blah, blah. Uh. This movie is fucking nuts. And I can't believe it. And it, it also has like half the cast of King of the Hill. <laughs> uh, including the greatest act- living actor, Stephen Root. I'm, I'm, I'm yeah. going to start calling him that from here on out because he rules. So if you want the full Country Bears the movie experience, and God help you if you do, you must get the DVD because on the DVD there is a special feature oh, God. where it pretends the Country Bears were a real band that actually existed, which inspired the Disney ride that inspired the movie. I... I was thinking something like, there are a lot of cutaways to big scenes that led me to believe there was a lot more filmed for this movie. Because the stupidest vibe I got from this is, J.R., Diana, did you ever watch the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie a thousand, hundred million times? Yes. When they a hundred thousand. When they hide out in North Carolina, just seeing like those giant animatronic suits, also made by the Jim Henson Company. So the suits are amazing. And so deeply weird <laughs> in this shitty, stupid movie that has so much music in it that is not country at all. 
in, in a tangential relation to also one of the weirdest attractions ever at Disney, which yeah, I, I, I it was an attraction. I don't think it was at Disneyland anymore. It had been not. replaced. No. It had been replaced fourteen months before the movie came out. Yes. So so. Uh-huh. So it's not even synergy. synergy. No, it is because the synergy is we're closing down Country Bears Hall. Come see a movie about the closing of Country wow. Bears Hall. They, if you're in but Disneyland, of you this movie, you're not going to go to Disneyland because you wanted to see the Country Bears and they're not there anymore. It's it's so deeply weird. The Country Bears I started what? as an idea from from Walt. I think for a way to not pay entertainers. <laughs> who could who could entertain people eating and then well, eventually it, it became Chuck E. Part, Cheese. It's largely forgotten right now, but back in the 40s and 50s, Disney loved its hillbilly humor. Like mm. making fun of hillbillies is in a couple of shorts there yeah. where you know where it's like and and they started slapping each other. You know how those hillbillies slap each other when they're in love. Yeah, Bugs like, Bunny has <laughs> hillbilly adversaries that don't get seen very much, but it's still like we're yeah. mainstays and and I don't, it's, it, this attraction began in Florida. That's the only thing that makes sense. And it's still there where it still resides. I guess it's a hit. I promise you if you're hot in Orlando and there's, there's no lines to the country. Bears. Yeah. Yeah. I've been attraction. to Disney uh, world with my kids and this was definitely a ride where it's like, let's do it. Cause there's no line. I'm hot. I yeah. want to rest my feet. And at the yeah, time it I was, I want to sit down. That's it, the only reason it exists. I want to sit down. And at the time, oh, at the time, it was the the longest oh, attraction. It was like fifteen minutes long, and yeah. and and so as a kid, I think I hated it. I love it now because it's like more well, advanced Chuck E. Cheese show, but yeah. like it's a it's baffling, exactly a baffling property to make a movie out of. I think we have a clip of the Country Bears at Disney World. <laughs> we can play. You know, Southern people like us have to work extra hard here in New York. People hear the way we talk, just assume we're illiterate country bumpkins. We're the bears who sing for Duke, Duda, drink and moonshine till we puke. Oh, da do da. Big dumb belching bear. <laughs> We're going to bring up the critic every goddamn episode until we get to that premiere in like three years. <laughs> well, I, yeah, I, I thought maybe the cultural resonance of the country bears had diminished, but it has to be as near as big as it ever was. It's in Tokyo Disneyland. I watched a glorious 4K YouTube video of the current show. The animatronics are so much more advanced. It, well, that's true for everything in Disney. Watching, uh, but watching show. hillbilly bears speak Japanese. <laughs> that is All right. absolutely nuts. Some of the songs are in English, but like, I don't get the appeal. I don't get why this is a movie. This, this no. should, this should be, it's the, like the exact same type of movie. Mom and dad saved the world. It's, yeah. Not as cult. It doesn't do anything important or silly. It's just so formulaic and dumb and wrong. I hate it. But it oh, it was a good hate watch. Good hate so watch. So I, I had a recent experience with a real life bear, and I couldn't help thinking of this movie because I was hiking in Yellowstone, and there was only one path, and I was a long way down the path, and I had to return. So I turn around. Up ahead of me is a real life bear, and he is a safe distance away and I'm going to make sure he's keeping a safe distance away. And he's walking on the path towards where I need to go, but he's walking at a bear's pace and he is walking so slow, but I don't want to get close to a freaking bear. Yeah. So oh, I'm just yell at it. Like Christopher Walken does. So I'm moseying and I'm getting 
a bit frustrated about this slow ass bear and I'm moseying and I'm going to be late for my bus. And it's like, this isn't over bears. <laughs> Make a <laughs> bang a trash can lid. They hate that. Yeah, I just yeah. Oh, it's a good thing that Disney learned their lesson and didn't make any more movies about their theme park rides. So wait, what's that coming up in almost exactly one year? The next movie they try <laughs> the this. Only this... one that's good. Tomorrowland is great. Haunted Mansion. Tomorrowland. Haunted Mansion is coming out soon. <laughs> Tomorrowland is awesome. Oh, I was referring yeah. to the Eddie Murphy Haunted Mansion, which yes. comes out about a year from now. And and but uh, that's what you were referring to, right, Diana? That's the good one. Sure. And I don't sure. I don't think it's. I'm crazy to speculate. And again, I, I hate saying I'm a Disney fan now because they're everything. And I guess when I qualify that, I'm talking pre-2000 and backwards. That's the Disney era I'm I'm a big fan of. I don't think they'd make a ride nowadays that couldn't be made into a movie. And yeah. I think if you, if you look at what they've done with the Star Wars stuff, a lot of that is to incorporate into other film elements. It's not just to make this living, breathing Star Wars world. It's like, no, they... All that needs to be incorporated somehow into their other shit. And you would never get an attraction like the Country Bears. So I'm happy the ride still exists. This is the dumbest fucking use of IP I've ever seen in my life. It is so... It's not It's not an expensive movie, but the bear costumes are good. And it's like, it is surreal to watch <laughs> these bear costumes. Bonnie Raitt and Don Henley are the singing voices of these bears in a movie ah. where Elton John and Queen Latifah appear. It is... Utterly insane. And Back. again, so the last big original Disney World or Disneyland ride not based on any IP was Expedition Everest in 2006. Yes. In Animal Kingdom? Yeah. Yeah. You're going to see all that go away too as it slowly gets eaten up by Pandora, the world of Avatar. Seriously, that was, I got to ride that ride twice because of how popular the Avatar area was last time I was in Disney World. But yeah, the Country Bears. I wish I had more to say about it, but it's just like not. No, it, is, it shouldn't exist. I, but I was looking at it. There's there's a lot of kids. No matter what Disney movie exists, it'll always be a group of kids' favorite Disney movie, depending on when they discover it. And if, go look yeah, at the IMDb fair. reviews. People, there's kids who love this movie because it's not like egregiously terrible compared to live action Disney fare at the time. It's in that sense, fine. <laughs> The performances mm. are great. I, I love the voices. Every Toby Huss and the, yeah. the King of the Hill cast basically just doing King of the Hill voices in, for giant animatronic bears. It works. But other than that, it sucks. It's formulaic. It's dumb. It's a giant waste of money. We should all be offended. Anybody's going hungry and this movie got made instead. <laughs> you know, Ooh. that's funny. That's kind of how I feel about the next movie. What? Which I know I'm going to get a lot of pushback Whoa. on this one. But uh, I feel like our next movie, which is number one at the box office, and I love that two weeks in a row we have had a part three of a three-part series with Michael Caine in it what? that disappointed some people. Ooh, and yet a lot no. of people will really embrace, and I will argue with them, especially on this one, which was a waste of my fucking time. I Because dis- I got to re-embrace uh, Mandy Sterling, Robert Wagner, Fred Savage, Vern Troyer, Michael York, Seth Green, uh, Michael Caine, Beyonce Knowles, Mike Myers, it's number one at the box office this week. Austin Powers in Goldmember. One of our best agents has been kidnapped. It's your father. An evil pact. Who has my father? The aptly named Goldmember. A dangerous mission. Where can I find this Goldmember? 1975. He is, ladies and gentlemen. It's Goldmember. I am from Holland. Oh. <sighs> Isn't that weird? <laughs> a foxy partner. A foxy Cleopatra. And I'm a whole lot 
Ohio woman. Shut down. <laughs> a family secret. Dad. Hello, sir. Your spy car's a mini. It's not the size, mate. It's how you use it. Oh, dick jokes aplenty. What's what's not to love about this? <laughs> uh, so now this trailer is lying because they make it seem like it spends most of the movie in 1975. Yeah. yeah. And that would have been a better idea. Yep. But yeah. it, it seems the soul. Fish out of water 60s guy in the 70s. We could have done fish out of water 70s lady in the 2000s. We get kind of neither. Not, none of yeah. it. it. It seems no. like the only reason to do that is to give Beyonce an afro. That is, yeah. it's the almost the only reason to time travel because it doesn't make any sense for her to come back come back they, to the present at all. No. And, and it's it's the the most bizarre thing to me is like I was a I still remain yeah. a huge Mike Myers fan, and I remember Beyonce got cast in this movie. I'm like, ah, this is pretty big for her. And 20 years later, it's like she's too good for this. <laughs> she would never well, do this he, now. Tom Cruise is in this film, people. Yeah. That yeah. the opening well, might I mean, be one of my. Talk about the Steven Spielberg is in this film, people. <laughs> I don't think I've okay. seen a Steven Spielberg cameo in any movie before or since. Th- th- that's the that thing. Much. Austin Powers in 2002 was still a huge draw. Okay. Yeah. I'm an American male who attended college in the 1990s. So Austin <laughs> Powers is my bag, baby. Yeah. You know, I, I, yeah. I loved it. I loved one. I discovered it. We rewatched it a bunch of time when that fake out trailer for two came out and it revealed it was not a Star Wars trailer, but was for <laughs> Austin Powers 2. Yep. That blew me away. Love two. I have never seen three until this show. Wow. It, it, yeah. it definitely, I, even watching it now, I, I found new things to love, but I had the feeling of this is wearing out its welcome a little bit. Yeah. And, that, well, and that's just, what I read. It's, it is all so lazy. That is, that is my complaint. Now, let me talk about the Beyonce part for a second, oh. because she is at a critical point in her career. Yeah. She's left Destiny's Child. She comes out with her album concurrent with this movie. Her lead single is a single out of this movie. And everyone's sort of like, I mean, is she big enough drama, the Destiny's Child lady? And like, she hasn't really done a lot of acting. She turns 20 on the set of this movie. Wow. She wow. is a lot younger than you think she is. Yeah. And she she's my favorite thing in the movie. Uh, by a lot because she nails the part. She obviously watched a lot of Pam Grier movies to to get it to yeah, Foxy Cleopatra, okay. and and she doesn't get shit to do. Nope. I, I think she's there. She's there to stare. She doesn't get to do. There's almost no reason for her character to be there at all. No. Yeah. No. No. It's this not is fucking fair. So, despite my love of one and two, I never saw this because the reviews were bad. And it never had any huge draw of like, oh, you're an Austin Powers fan. You've got to see three. And having watched it, I will call this Austin Powers wheel spinning because they're just spinning Ah. their wheels in this film. I I, I was there's a couple points where I, I was getting actively angry at the movie because it's not just they would they would do a joke. They would explain the joke and then they would underline the joke. And most of the time it was a joke that they'd already done in one or possibly two. This movie trusts its audience so little that there is, I mean, it's not just no. enough that you walk into a room and he goes, it's Britney Spears. Like, I don't have fucking eyes. <laughs> but there's a point where, like, there's a long peeing joke again. And he's peeing and peeing and peeing. And it like looks over hysterical. and there's a plate of asparagus. And it has a little sign on it that says asparagus. Because I can't identify asparagus <laughs> through sight. I, this movie is I subtitled for the humor impaired. Yeah. 
Chris, you and I could spend five minutes doing nothing but quoting lines from Austin Powers yeah, 1 baby. and Austin yeah. Powers 2 to each other. Quote yeah. a line from this film. Uh, Schmoke a pancake. Yeah. I, look, no, I, I'm, I'm a, like... No, but I have to explain, though. I adore Austin Powers 1. That's the thing, because I also... I. I understand where it's coming from. I've seen the 67 Casino Royale more times than anyone should be allowed to watch it. <laughs> I, I've seen the Matt Helm movies. I've seen In Life Flint and Our Man Flint. Like, I understand the parody that they're going for. And there's lots of little nods in there. Like, this one has a, a nod to a Peter Sellers movie after The Fox, which, like, no one's seen except me. And I like it, even though it's bad. But <laughs> um, I think that he used up the material and I don't like either of the sequels. And I like this one the least because they go for so much more scatological humor in both the sequels. And then they don't do anything new. Like there's a lot they, of things they could be doing and they, they just don't bother. You were absolutely right. They needed to have this film be set 90% in the 70s or 90% yes. someone from the 70s dealing with the 2000s. Mm -hmm. That's right. what they needed with all the references to 70s films. Yes. But that would have been no. awesome. Yeah. Just just go full like Men in Black. Put him three. in a black exploitation movie. Do it. Yeah, Men yeah. in Black 3. Do it. I I I I agree with you. I'm so upset. There and and some of this is colored by the I watched the Pantaveret and read the reviews mm -hmm. and like people right. were super harsh. I didn't finish it just because, like, you know, sometimes when I watch, when I watch a comedy movie, I didn't mean for six hours. Uh, but mm -hmm. that's this is the new world we live in. That's the MacGruber sequel I'm getting. But I, I plan on finishing, but I thought the reviews were too harsh because it does what Mike Myers does really well, which is amazing. He is an amazing comedian in a way that is, like, almost lyrical that I started looking into, like, schmuckin' a pancake, his... his gold member care like where do these references come from and mike myers seems to just find phrases he thinks are funny to say and repeat excuse me baking powder i looked it up look it up everyone's like what is this a reference to like mike myers just made it up that's all it is smoking a pancake just made it up that's just a thing he said in this character there's a lyrical quality to i think what he does and that involves repetition like the chorus mm -hmm. of a song and he does that in a lot of his stuff and it happens a lot in the pentaveret but if you like seeing him disappear as in these goofy characters, which I really, really do. I can't defend it as a movie. And I think that the, the most disappointing thing about it is that like, I was a fan of Mike Myers well, since Wayne's World. And then mm. I think he was my gateway to SNL. But this is the first movie made, I, I want to say when like my, uh, Austin Powers fandom is everywhere because the first movie was this huge disappointment that mm -hmm. ended up being discovered on home video and then they all right we'll make a second one and that movie made so much fucking money i, I believe the entire gross of austin powers one that's what the budget for this gold member is mm -hmm. it is it is like a 60 million dollar comedy with so many crazy cameos of people clearly yeah. not standing in the same room but uh danny devito is mini me fucking great and i i love <laughs> but i think no, I, I, what, there were a couple i won't say like i never laughed at the movie there were a couple of points that i definitely laughed but i i just filled with this disappointment of like there is so much to work with here and you're just ignoring it i feel like they're, not they're, doing it. like there is why is there a whole flashback scene to everyone in school together that doesn't i love make, that that kid that kid, with that kid playing like, austin powers is, is great is a, my theory is that's a backdoor pilot for mm. uh, Austin Power, y the young adventures of Austin Powers. Austin uh, Powers in yeah. school. Here, here's what I think. And that if be. this would have been like, we can recast Mike Myers with a younger mm -hmm. guy, do it yeah. cheaply. And that guy does a, does a great job. I mean, he looks just like him. But And then I have Michael Caine. Now, Michael Caine. 
my cocaine who i've brought it up in classic corner i think all three movies of the harry palmer series if chris file billion dollar brain and funeral in berlin why does austin powers have big black glasses like that it's because michael kane loves bloody big glasses bloody big and glasses he, <laughs> he was in this spy trilogy that are all really fucking good I quite enjoy all of them. And he's basically, he's not playing that character here, but like the baggage is supposed to be there. But nobody knows that because I guess he didn't yell it at the audience. The only time he's allowed to yell at the audience and say who someone is, I, I'm i still a little mad that they yell out Quincy Jones. Just let some of us know who Quincy Jones is. But because he wrote the music you think of as the Austin Powers music, mm-hmm. the fact that he popped up was like, I got, I was happy. Right. I, I, I love that I opening. Felt- but here's here's what i think the reality here's the reality of the problem time travel the reality of the problem of austin powers movie is austin powers even mike myers seems more interested in every other character than austin powers Mm -hmm. and and the premise oh i noticed that you could say it's dated 20 years later i still think the premise of a guy with bad social more like sexual mores that's the point of the movie, like yeah. that I he is you inappropriate. Could reboot Austin Powers. I think yeah. you could totally have uh, a spy from the 1990s, Frozen, wake up in the 2020s and go through culture shock the way that Austin Powers from the 60s to the 90s went through. You know, have him be like, "We won the Cold War. Everything's awesome. I can retire." Gets frozen, wakes up, everything sucks and is on fire. Well, I, I, yeah, I think I, the you first. Know what's the, the one thing I was waiting for it to come up i'm sorry i keep cutting you off chris but i gotta get this stuff off my chest i was really waiting for the movie to have some fun with the idea of a famous spy oh because those things don't go together you can't spy when everyone knows who you are and that you're a spy yeah i think that's don't bother i think well the the, only the first movie is about the time-based fish out of water that Mm -hmm. concept is pretty much abandoned now we've all accepted austin powers as a wonderful throwback that we celebrate as a culture. I mean, like in the movie, like that's how they treat him. Yeah. We'll set up a giant sex den for you and you can fuck twins in a way that's weird. That doesn't go on for too fucking long. (laughs) No, no, they don't say their name is fuck you and fuck me. And then turn around to show it written on their backpacks to underline because you didn't get the joke the first four times. It's, it's, if you walk around with your name on your back, Diana? <laughs> it's no. I'm not, I don't mean to be too much of a Mike Myers defender, but I swear if there was a 90s fire and Jim Carrey, Adam Sandler, and Mike Myers was in there, I might say Mike Myers first. And I do like what he does, but it's an adherence to classical comedy. And I love the way he talks about like he's a Canadian whose parents were born in England. So anything that came over from England, they would obsess over and he would obsess over. So that's mm-hmm. sort of what he wants to... That's what that's the Austin Powers portion of the movie for the next two movies. It's just him obsessing over British culture that he never really got to be a part of. It makes them weirdly personal movies. I'm not saying it's very digestible, but then neither was the Pentaverit, so I don't know where Mike Myers stands. I feel like the first one feels personal, and I feel like the other two just feel like retreads. Yeah, they. I I, I don't think two does. Two does enough for me that I enjoyed it. Two, two. The reason why I don't understand why people hate three so much is because two. It's just an all-out gag fest. It gets its premise out of the way. It gets its Austin. Gags are better, Chris. They don't say yeah. two has better. I, I'm jokes not disagreeing with you. Point of a comedy is jokes. I I, mm-hmm. I think the gold member character is really funny. Yeah, it, I do. I, what is he? Dude. And he doesn't do. He and eats he, his he own. Does sk- the same thing. No, it doesn't make over any. It technically doesn't make any sense. The whole time travel notion, because this guy's yeah. from the 
past. Yeah. Why? Yeah. Uh, but no. he also eats his own skin uh, and can lift his legs to his head. And I, think I will nice. say it was a bit of genius, which I feel they don't do anything with, by revealing that Dr. Evil and Austin Powers yes. are twin brothers i mean there really should have been a scene where you guys didn't realize look at your faces you look exactly the same <laughs> yeah they they could the Vern try the, the moly 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 stuff i still think that's all it's uh, all old I, I laughed at times chris yeah, i, I did. laughed at the moly stuff there just wasn't I enough of then, it i i laughed and then it kept going i i i'm I, in the opposite camp i thought there was too much i left this viewing wanting like there should really be more awesome this should have been 20 years since we've seen I, I, Austin would, I am down for an Austin Powers reboot, whatever premise. Or I don't know if Austin Powers four could work with Michael Myers pushing sixty. Mike Myers, uh, Mike Myers <laughs> pushing sixty. I, mean, I bet Michael Myers is pushing sixty-two. Chris is seventy. I mean, <laughs> uh, I, I, he, he's hidden behind makeup. I'm sure it, it, it could work, but I, I think judging by the reaction of the Pentaveret. And, and Mike Myers, I think, just personally doesn't have to care or make anything he doesn't want to no, do. No, so nah. that's the I think that's the reason we haven't seen another Austin Powers because he's mostly in things that he's writes or that are Shrek, and <laughs> that's that's what Mike yep. Myers has done for the last twenty years. Yep. All right. Can I? I will say a nice thing about this movie, please, because I hate being so negative. Outstanding makeup. There the full go. body suit, fat bastard. Is pretty impressive. They use it to put him on a toilet, but it's pretty impressive. If if you follow follow Stan Winston's Instagram account, because they I I know they didn't know the anniversary was coming, but they're showing all the fat bastard makeup stuff, and it's like it's like this is one of the more intense projects we've had to work on. It's like <laughs> somebody has to move around in this thing, and it's going to be heavy. And yep. it's it, it, not the actual yeah, weight the, of the character. The gag of him doing wire foo and then one of the wires breaks and he just hangs there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I laughed at that. I'm not going to say I didn't laugh the Great whole movie, moments. but I was so frustrated. Uh, it's it's my, super disjointed. Between for me. My final comment on this film. I'm going to 100% show Austin Powers 1 and 2 to my son when he's old enough. No need to do 3 oh, at all. Nope. He'll want to nope. see 3. My main hatred of it that the only thing I have in my notes is they retread that great joke about like it looks like a giant dick yeah. and it right. just keeps running from character to character and it treats the Osbournes like the biggest celebrities in the fucking movie. They have the way too much screen time and that's the one you'll have to explain to your kids. They'll understand <laughs> Steven Spielberg and Tom Cruise. They are they are not going to know the fucking Osbournes. But that's where we were Fair. as a culture. Number yeah. one show on cable. Well, college. I thought the boob joke didn't go on long enough. Like the yeah, dick joke went on and on and on. And there were like three boob gabs before they gave up. <laughs> All right. There's another nice thing I'll say about it. I was expecting a lot more topical 2002 humor that wouldn't age. And like, I think that's that's the big one. It's the Osbournes. So. Yeah. And there's like in most of the Austin Powers movies exist outside of topical humor so that's yeah. really neat and uh i don't know just i fell so much more in love with mike myers after re-watching wayne's world the show earlier in the month i can't say anything bad about him even though this is not my favorite austin powers movie by a long shot mm. which which is the worst austin powers movie for you chris <sighs> shut up Dana. it's probably it's probably this one but there's there, there's so much stuff i still like about it like i remember cringing at the hard knock life sequence whereas now it's like uh, yeah that's the most topical thing in the movie and it is fun and silly i love Vern troyer's mini me 
Like, I just think that's great. I love him being like a top build character in the film that Mike Myers continued to work with because he saw the comedic potential in Vern Schroyer. And I think he's so funny in this movie. Danny DeVito playing him is even better. Even better. Okay. <laughs> that, that opening sequence, by the way, was like got, what got me to theaters. It was like people were spoiling the shit out of that. Like, uh, Tom Cruise yeah. showing up. An incredible opening sequence on HBO Max. Check it out, folks. Moving on to 2002 television shows. If you like Disney Channel original movies, good. What's it like being under 40? Gotta Kick It Up is out this week. So yeah, a uh, Latin American student body clashes with their Juilliard trained dance coach. And they sneak off and do an intramural competition and, you know, learn something about each other. Won't you? Aww. Speaking of Clue, from la- 10 years later, we get a Clue TV movie with Lindsay Lohan, Bug Hall, Ian Gomez, and Brenda Song. Yeah, I feel like this is Lindsay Lohan taking off, you know, really beginning yeah. to to be something in her own huh. way. Yeah, I guess. Um, as more of a teenager, not as a little, little thing. Yeah. Yeah. Right. But she plays a teenage high school student who's investigating the disappearance of one of her teachers. I'm sure it ends with me. If you've uh, been listening to the show, for some reason, talking about the first season of Six Feet Under a year and change ago, got everybody back into watching Six Feet Under again. And uh, Six Feet Under, the season two finale, the last time, it's when Nate undergoes his high-risk brain surgery. That opening the third season still really irritates me because we were, I was watching that in a room full of Six Feet Under fans, and boy, they were, whoo, lots of shouting and no. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, so this is a bit of a gut punch episode for me. It starts with Nate having someone die in his arms. Now, just because Nate is a funeral director doesn't he- mean he's seen the moment of death before. Mm-hmm. And here he has his arms wrapped a- around a man who's dying. And Nate's saying, go into it. And the man says, go into what? I don't see a light. I don't see any light. And ouch. By the end of the episodes, he's having to decide on major, super dangerous brain surgery. And it is just this tense, tense fade out where you're like, this is six feet under. This could absolutely be the end of the series or this could be Nate's death. It could end with his uh, little name. Got to die in the opening. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, And, you know, I've, I've gone under surgery four times and... Part of me thinks about Nate when that's happening. It's just like, mm-hmm. it's probably going to be fine. I mean, they say my odds are very good, but they also made me sign a paper saying that if I die, my relatives can't sue them. So <laughs> it was that. Never had to sign that when I've got an oil change, guys. So I'm yeah. glad my odds are good, but you still made me sign the paper. And so, uh, yeah, real quick. What? In 2002, were you guys watching Six Feet Under? Oh, yeah. Did I, I picked it up a little bit after this. Okay. But I've gone back and watched the whole thing now, yeah. Did you think Nate died at the end of this episode no. as you were watching it? No? Not at all. No, no. Because, because like I would sa- save it for the... I think maybe I'd even read they'd been renewed because... Oh, okay. If you remember the promos for Six Feet Under, I... Again, I can't explain why it's huge. It was such a huge show. It was just like kind of following the Sopranos momentum and we kept it our... It was one of the first big budget high quality television shows other than the Sopranos. Yes. They were like every episode is a movie. Yeah, and, right. and, and and we kept our like group viewings. I don't know if that was just to preserve our Sunday tradition, but yeah, like a 
a little less than a dozen people in a house watching new episodes of Six Feet Under. That's what we were doing. We all cried together. I laughed together at Six Feet Under. I don't know how it holds up to someone who has never seen the show or didn't have that experience. I really can't even speak to it. But uh, I think it does. Because like I said, I didn't watch the first couple seasons Mm -hmm. entirely because I'm a giant bitch and I didn't like American Beauty. And it's written by the American Beauty guy. So I was like, I don't want any of that. And then... I just kept reading reviews and kept hearing from people. I'm like, all right, I'll give it a try. And then I was absolutely hooked. I think probably somewhere in the mid thirds. It's a show I've never forgotten. And it's, it's I, for the people I, I watch mean, it with, it I can reference stick it with you. Yeah. I, I think it sticks with you mm-hmm. because there are still today, multiple podcasts about six feet under that have came out in the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. And there's other TV shows that are bigger that it's really hard to find a recent podcast about them. Mm. You know, they were yeah. huge when they were being shown and there were like five podcasts about them and then they ended and it's just like radio silence. But Six yeah. Feet Under, you still get at people who are like, yes, I would like to talk about every episode of this series. Absolutely worth a rewatch. You do not. It does. It does not transport you to the world of 2002 in a dated way, like Mo Money or something <laughs> would, where it's not. You're not laughing at how dated it is. Like, all right, a couple of the outfits are maybe a little off, but whatever. Good, good, yeah. and uh, fantastic show. Yeah, and uh, less fantastic is the 2002 Game Boy Advance port of Smuggler's Run. I cannot believe ten years later we're talking about low frame rate polygonal <laughs> yeah. racing games on a platform I mean, they don't belong on, but here we are. Smuggler's Run was a Rockstar game on the PS2 yep. in October of 2000. Pretty, pretty brilliant because it's just it's like taking all of the story and chuffa off of GTA. Like you are a smuggler in a car driving shit across the border. Go go back, go forth. People will chase you. Hills. That's it. It was like a stripped down version of a, a racing game with a theme. Neat. And how you put that on the Game Boy Advance? Well, not well. Not <laughs> not well. <laughs> Looks like a little RC Pro Am uh, made of polygons. Not good. But let's take us out of 2002 with a little Beyonce. Her first single as a single performer. It wasn't Gold Member. And no, is this is it is this. It's not the Gold Member song. I mean, it's this plays over the credits of the movie, but and it's got one of those tie-in videos that's got scenes from the movie that you know love it it's such a fun artifact love it and it doesn't do as well as it should have because it's funky as fuck but her next single will be um so ridiculously massive that no one can ignore it anymore and everyone realizes oh beyonce's a thing now it's pretty great and i love it the the the, the uh trailer spot we played was off of the youtube account beyonce ads that is what her fandom is like. We just have ads for Beyonce stuff. <laughs> but stay right there, everyone. We got a little more to talk about in 2012. the ships at sea it's time for diana's classic corner where we go even further back in time this week see if there's anything worth a watching and for the week of july 22nd through 28th we got stuff from all over the place man let's start with 90 years ago 1932 saw the release of white zombie starring bella lugosi which is um it's considered the first zombie film 
but it's like the voodoo zombie concept, you know, of someone being like enslaved by a powerful person to do their bidding, as opposed to, you know, the Night of Living Dead kind of zombies. In it's interesting. It's very atmospheric, considering it's, you know, 1932. An atmosphere is hard to pull off when you're barely good at talkies, but yeah, for horror fans, totally worth a watching. Then moving on to 75 years ago this week, 1947, saw the release of Crossfire starring Robert Young, Robert Ryan, and Robert Mitchum. How did they figure out who was being talked to on set when everyone is named Robert? I don't know. <laughs> it's um, Crossfire, it's one of the first movies to seriously deal with racism, in this case, anti-Semitism. But besides that, it's pretty hard-boiled noir. I mean, it's it ends up, it's being, a, it's a murder mystery. Uh, also with, you know, the anti-Semitism, which obviously 1947 was kind of on people's minds. What with that whole Holocaust thing that we've just been hearing about. And yeah, but besides that, good hard-boiled kind of murder mystery. I, I like Crossfire quite a bit. And then we have to talk about 1982 every goddamn week because 1982, the summer, is ridiculous. And this week saw... <laughs> I don't know how about this is a double feature, but yeah, go for it. Let's start with An Officer and a Gentleman starring Richard Gere, Deborah Winger, David Keith, Lou Gossett Jr. Winning an Oscar, one of the first... Gosh, first black performance in a long-ass time who'd won an Oscar for this. And it's an interesting movie. It was a massive hit because, I mean, I guess it's a romance but it's also like a boot camp movie and you know, learning about yourself and growing as people. And it's just ridiculously watchable with, uh, you know, an incredibly iconic ending, you know, with the Love Lifts of Some Where We Belong song. And one of those, I feel like if you watch it now, big chunks of it will be like, oh, yeah, that's reference from blah, blah, blah. But it's also like it's kind of a watchable movie for everybody. And another movie that... <laughs> It should be for everyone. Also for 1982, Turing 40 this week, Best Little Whorehouse in Texas. Hell yeah, starring Dolly Parton, Burt Reynolds, Dom DeLuise, Jim Neighbors, Charles Durning. Such a goofy movie. I did not even realize, written and directed by Colin Higgins, who has become secretly my favorite writer because he wrote 9 to 5 and Harold and Maude. I believe this is his last film because he died way too fucking young. It's... Well, for Simpsons fans, it's the We Put the Spring in Springfield episode. It's a movie about a whorehouse and people trying to shut it down. And it turns out the madam has a secret relationship with the sheriff. And Dolly and Bert have, like, the cutest chemistry. Like, I mean, the movie is really built around Dolly Parton. She's awesome. But their chemistry is just adorable. Like, I don't know if I would have called that as them having real chemistry. Even when they're singing together. Yes, Bert sings. But yeah, Best Little Whorehouse in Texas... It's a confection. It is a, a, a movie made out of cotton candy. It's so cute and goofy. And yeah, a, an awful lot of fun, especially if you like Dolly Parton, which everybody does. So, yep, that's it for this week. Stay classic. They say the world has got across the coast. Once a year I'll see them for a week or so at most Coming in at 2012 with uh, Take a Walk by Passion Pit off of Gossamer. Welcome to 2012. Ten years ago, July 22nd through the 28th. Yeah, a little no, more music of that week. We got new releases. From Emily Autumn, Fights Like a Girl. We also have Dark Roots of Earth by Testament and Handwritten by the Gaslight Anthem. That means something different ten years ago? I don't know. <laughs> 
Carly Rae Jepsen's um, Call Me Maybe is still number one. It made something to Ingrid Bergman fans, I guess. Hmm. <laughs> I understood that reference. Good. Uh, and then a little bit of news to bring you the world of 2012. Um, we got the Olympics in London happening. Summer Olympics happening in London. Dude, these opening ceremonies, they're so good. Because if you'll recall, 2008, the they were in Beijing. And that opening ceremony, directed by Zhang Yimou. That was the first time I remember, like... I should Oof. at least watch the opening ceremonies. That was fucking nuts. That. Yeah, that's when yeah. it became like the opening ceremonies are an important part of the Olympics, which I should be watching. It's, it's a whole country were... showing off in like five uh, minutes, in like five to ten minutes. It's insane. Yeah, they were stunning. So London took notice, <laughs> and so they got Danny Boyle. Fuck yeah! yeah. And. Danny Boyle puts on a hell of a show. It goes all over the place. There's a stage that's like the British countryside that gets dismantled and turned into, you know, an industrial thing. There's, it, it seems silly. There is a salute to the great Ormond street hospital with kids jumping on beds. And you're like, what the fuck is that about? It's because Peter Pan, the rights to Peter Pan are held by their basically the national children's hospital. And they have a big salute to that. And it's like, okay, sure. It's, it's a real good opening ceremony though. I, I totally I totally recommend it. No uh, salute to 127 hours. I was really disappointed. <laughs> but. <laughs> but London is the city which has hosted the Olympics the most number of times. Wow. So I asked some people from London uh, what they remembered about the 2012 Olympics. And unlike a lot of people, their memories are very positive of the Olympics in their cities. It wasn't like, oh, yeah, we spent all this money and everything got ruined and it was horrible. Theirs was, yeah, we built some things, but we repurposed them afterwards because we're freaking London. Every square inch is going to be used here. <laughs> but it was a great moment for Britain. They had a lot of fun. Oh, yeah, yeah. oh I forgot the James Bond opening where Daniel Craig shot a scene with Her Majesty the Queen. And then yeah. the Queen parachutes in. <laughs> and the meme I saw of that of when they have the big parade of nations and the Queen's just sitting there looking grumpy. And the caption was, now you're just some countries that I used to own. I love that. I remember that. <laughs> that. That cracked me up at the time. The other one is I've seen the Queen... And Daniel Craig walking with various captions of like, take them all out, your majesty. Yes, Bond. <laughs> Every last fucking one of them. <laughs> Since, well, we're 20 years into the future, we got to talk about men's basketball because we got a dream team, damn it. Uh, the head coach is Mike Krzyzewski, who was the assistant coach in 1992. Thought I'd point that out. On the American men's basketball team, Tyler, Tyson Chandler, Carmelo Anthony, Kevin Durant, James Harden, Russell Westbrook, fucking LeBron, Deron Williams. Andre Igodala, Kobe, Kevin Love, Chris Paul, Anthony Davis. Combined, 18 championships, eight league MVPs, 107 all-star appearances. Only one of them is in the Hall of Fame. Partly and it's that's Kobe. Time. Partly that's time. Well, yeah, they, uh, most of them have not qualified like because of time. But Kobe is in the Hall of Fame because he has passed. Yeah, yeah. But this is also an example of how far my interest in the sport of basketball has fallen in the last 20 years mm -hmm. because of these names only lebron and kobe are names i know the rest don't register with not, me. not even kevin durant huh nope wow yeah and yeah we'll get to the final but uh it's a lot closer than the 92 final Ooh. i'll give you that it's it's now i'm waiting for the year the dream team loses you know, some fluke, because you know that's going to be a 30 for 30 episode, if oh. not a full screen movie. You oh. know, if, if like some people get sick or they just underplay or whatever, you know. They Springfield yeah. baseball the whole thing. Get yeah. gigantic. But it's also, 
it's also interesting to see in 20 years, we have new teams. These guys are being pulled from Brooklyn, mm. Brooklyn Nets, uh, OKC Thunder, Timberwolves, Hornets. They didn't have L.A. Clippers definitely did not have a player in the 92 Olympics. Still can't believe OKC Thunder is a thing. I'm, I'm not I'm not even sure you're correct here. So I'm going to fact check you. They don't have a basketball right. team. That's, they might not now. I honestly awesome. do not keep track of where <laughs> where teams go. I, every now and then I'll put, I, I think they're an expansion team. And they're like, no, the Knicks moved. Didn't you hear? And I'm like, what? what? No, that's an expansion team, right? No. All right. Can we talk about movies instead of sports? Oh, my God. Oh, we have so many good movies to talk about. Oh, my God. For real. Uh, Dark Knight Rises is still number one at the box office. Good on it. Also out this week is Iron Sky with Julia Dietz. Uh, <laughs> what? Pettis Sarge? I don't know. Why are you laughing already? What is Iron That's Sky? Funny. Tell me about Iron, Iron Sky. Iron Sky is a partially crowdfunded movie by independent folks who basically made a fancy trailer with fancy effects and said, please give us money to make this whole movie because we need to tell the story of the Nazis who live on the moon. Whoa, what? <laughs> and they did. Yeah, Iron Sky is uh, about uh, the Nazi leadership actually went and hid on the moon after 1945, and uh, now they're back. They hmm. they capture uh, an American astronaut who's been sent up there by a Sarah Palin-type figure. <laughs> God, um, any yeah. <laughs> defeated vice presidential candidate... <laughs> Live on in people's <laughs> heads rent free for as long as Sarah Palin did nope. because her time on the national political stage yeah. was like a summer and a fall. That's it. <laughs> That's the only time she was a national political figure. And yet she appears in so much references then I, on. I think if it gave people a plausible way to cast a uh, hot leading ladies and presidential uh, roles that's probably throw some glasses yeah. on her put her hair up boom julianne moore's running <laughs> uh yeah so i mean it's i would call it a good bad movie it's not especially a, a great movie it definitely has some laughs in it my biggest laugh is definitely when we find out that all the moon nazis part of their indoctrination process is watch to watch the 20 minute film the great dictator <laughs> oh that makes me laugh so just hard. the dancing sequence jesus yeah basically yeah okay. Here, um, here's my problem yeah. with this film yeah you oh there's a lot have better films in your film than your film is. Yeah. And this yeah. references The Great Dictator, Kubrick's, help me out here, Diana. Barry Lyndon. Where, where, where he's trying to uh, <laughs> stop himself from hailing Hitler. Oh, Dr. Strangelove. Dr. Strangelove. It has Dr. Strangelove. One more, I can't forget. But it, it references three separate they, movies. All of they replicate. Oh, they replicate the scene from Downfall. Is that the third one? That's the third movie. Yep. (laughs) Downfall. The Hitler meme scene gets redone. Yeah. It's so dumb. (laughs) Downfall, The Great Dictator, and Dr. Strangelove are all so much better than this film. And Uh. I can't watch it and be like, I'd really rather be watching any of those films than this film. Mm. Any of them. Oh, no. It's not good. But it it's again like I I appreciate the fucking moxie of like we're going to make a special effects movie with some guys like here's some we we got a couple guys like out of film school they're animators and we're going to make a movie that is all special effects it, with it's, fucking moon nuts shows you the value of getting in early on the crowdfunding thing <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Patreon dot com yeah like but and yeah that's that's how they make there is a sequel and they Indiegogoed it man God and, bless them uh. I think the next film, it's one of my favorite documentaries ever. It is 
okay. such it is why documentaries matter. I, I think they because they these. tell Guys, stories. Yeah, and gals, before we start talking about this film, okay, let me state that I would never ever have watched this documentary if the twist at around the forty-minute mark was not revealed to me. But having watched it, I deeply wished that twist had had not been revealed to me and I could have gone in blind. It, it's hard. It, yeah. I think it was hard to sell the premise of the movie without the details that are spoiled yeah. in the narrative, but you know, it's a real thing. And, and I, th I think they, the only shortcoming, I think the only way I've seen this documentary slighted is they make it seem like homeboy wasn't aware of his fandom over there while they're filming. And he was, and he'd been, over. but the point was they're trying to, they, I think they start the documentary from the prospect of uh there's this, American musician who's become this national star in South America, is he still South alive? Africa, South, Af South Africa, very different. Is he still alive? Is Rodriguez still alive? Let's find out if this musician who's didn't make it big in America is still alive. And that's basically the documentary. They find, yeah, dude's living like Detroit, doing odd jobs, and is this national sensation in South America where everybody knows his name. Yeah, South so Africa. So yeah, searching for Sugar Man. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it, Sugar it Man. does win the uh, Oscar for do best documentary. And yeah, it's why documentaries matter. Of there are so many stories out there that are stranger than fiction. Yes. And yeah, this this is one. He's, a, you know, a struggling musician. He writes, you know, he's got a couple albums. They do okay. Like he does one thing they do leave out of the movies that like he did, it was pretty popular in Australia for yeah. a bit. And, and he played he played big shows in all these places before the documentary was ever. That's the only yeah. thing that. Mars the documentary because yeah. they, they leave those details out. But it doesn't matter because right. the story is this this guy's America's cultural trash was rediscovered and celebrated and given new meaning by a completely different culture at a completely yeah. different time. Yeah, in apartheid era South Africa. Yeah. And he became something that like everyone appreciated it, it, that transcended black and white. And he doesn't seem to know that and has not benefited from it. The movie could definitely be called What the World Was Like Before the Internet. Because you can have people in active war zones posting every day today. That's a real mm -hmm. thing that happens. Back in the 1980s, apartheid South Africa, they were fairly cut off. So it was like, how do I find out about this guy? I don't know. I can't just search every written word that's ever been written ever can i no so i guess something happened to him and urban legends go around about him and that's how the movie starts out is people recalling what they were told happened to him yeah and like, then we learn what really happened to him like a, a like a, a like like famous famous djs of the era who are getting calls to play this guy's song every hour have just been told he's dead yeah. and he's not and uh yep. it takes it takes the internet and a documentary film crew to kind of put put together the tale of the story. And it's just one of the most beautiful documentaries you've ever seen. It's just like, it's a truly unbelievable story. But the, the story is a billion percent true. So the yeah. uh, record company that made his record went out of business in like a single year. And then like four separate record companies in South Africa claimed to have the rights to release this guy's wow. music. Did so. And they track down the uh, original record producer and they're like, uh, so did you ever talk to these guys? I've never heard of those guys in my <laughs> life. They obviously just stole our work and pirated it and lied. How, and, and we, how would they have contacted me? I went out of business 30 years ago and they're saying they, they renegotiated the rights 
four years ago? Come on, man. And we, we, we meet our hero, Rodriguez, as he's known, uh, and just living in just above squalor. Is it Detroit? I can't remember. Mm. But uh, yeah. yeah, just completely unknown. And it hasn't made music in years, but it's this sensation across the ocean and then down. Yeah. Some. Yeah. And it's just, yeah, it, it, it's it's very inspiring that, you know, how art can reach people in the most roundabout and bizarre way. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, I, but it's very inspiring as someone who, you know, if you're interested in music, you're interested in writing. And it's like, in the end, do it because maybe no one will ever notice and maybe it will reach people and, and, and mean something to them. And you don't even know that it means something to them, but it does. And it's what's it's beautiful. M- more beautiful about it is because that does happen here in America. But when it does, it's shit like the room. We appreciate this, but not for your the reasons you intended it to. But like, this is exactly what he, the artist, intended his how he intended his music to be enjoyed, and by exactly who he wanted to enjoy it. It's just awesome. I would love it if someone made a period film set in the 1960s with nothing but Rodriguez's music because Mm. it seems like such a perfect match, but it never became popular. But I've listened to some of his songs and I'm like, these are solid. In some other timeline, very close to ours, I could see these being hits. Sure. I'm still, and I remain shocked they haven't made a fucking Oscar Beatty movie about this. But yeah, I think the documentary, it was... In the early days of like Netflix streaming, like this was there immediately. And it's like, when you Google it, it still comes up with Netflix. It hasn't been on Netflix (laughs) in years, but like that's a lot of people discovered it there. It got nominated for an Oscar to win the Oscar. It won Won the Oscar. Yeah. Yeah, Again, it's one of the best documentaries I've ever seen and like really, really uplifting. Not, there are very few documentaries I would recommend that are uplifting in any way. And this is true. Fair. That's a really good point. Yeah. Searching for Sugar Man. Absolutely. Searching for Sugar Man. 100%. A movie that is yeah. not uplifting, but I believe has the distinction of being the only NC-17 movie I've ever seen in a theater. Uh, Gina well, Gersh- you got to see it at NC-17 because they kind of gave up and just released it unrated because... Yeah, which is basically because the same thing. They, they were just saying like, nope, nope. I don't, I don't I know how like, your hometown nope. works. NC-17 was originally the X rating, which we don't need to go into that history. Most movies that are rated X were just... They were not porn, just Americans being stuck up and awful. And this... Might be one of those cases. It is kind of disturbing. Basically, uh, like your local, your AMC, your Regals, your Cinemarks in America, your American movie theaters will not play a movie with an NC-17 rating. But for some reason in my hometown where I was for Christmas, this, or for some holiday, our second run theater has no such qualms. And we've had several sad premieres at my hometown Dollar Theater, including the man who wasn't there and chairman of the board. And... (laughs) Our next movie, which stars uh, Gina Gershon, Thomas Hayden Church, Juno Temple, Emil Hirsch, and Matthew McConaughey. I think this is the turning point in Matthew McConaughey's career because he said he was not offered a ton of starring <laughs> we roles. We say it every week. I know, but but this that, that's <laughs> Jr. This is me. Is ongoing. This is the me. happened in the past, the present, and no, the but future. This, this is what he was <laughs> talking about. The this is what he was. He was uh, only getting leading roles in romantic comedies. So here's this like. Pretty nasty role uh, mm. in a movie that the MPAA, while you were alive, deemed was not worthy enough of an R, was way surpassing of the R rating, which I think is baffling, having seen yeah. the movie. There is one really disturbing, can I tell you the disturbing scene, the most disturbing scene? Yep. He holds out a chicken wing and makes a woman blow him eating the chicken wing, and it's filmed very graphically, and it's definitely disturbing and gross, but it's like, yep. other than that, 
anything else in this movie you could see anytime you wanted on cable television. <laughs> anything. Killer Joe. Killer Joe. We're talking about. Killer Joe is yeah, from, from William Friedkin. From the play based on uh, by Tracy Letts, directed by William Friedkin. And I mean, it's like I keep seeing it referred to as a black comedy. And I guess it is because it's one of those like it's it's a scam movie where, you know, people are pulling some sort of scam, but everyone in it is so goddamn stupid <laughs> that all of their plans fail horribly and very predictably. <laughs> like you're watching it and like the whole time, you're like, oh, honey, no. Oh, don't do that. Nope. That's going to backfire. That's probably should be what it's called. That's going to backfire. The movie. Folks want to hire a hitman to take out a relative so they can get the insurance money. Turns out, uh, yeah, the hitman is a cop and he's crazy. And yeah, it all backfires. All backfires real bad. Yeah. I, I, um, I remember very... And I, I liked it. Yeah, I just remember being like, yeah, I didn't think it was super funny, but it was like a, a character you definitely haven't seen Matthew McConaughey play before. And it's oh, his he's creepy. against type moments. Yeah, he's a real asshole. Yeah, not a movie I ever wanted to watch again. <laughs> There's that. Yeah, that's true. I did not go back of to films. rewatch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Films that are good that I will never, ever see again. Yeah, that's fair. I, did, I didn't rewatch it for this. Uh, I'm going off my impressions, which was basically like, ooh. Ugh. Like, oh, that was good, but oh, damn. Yeah. Dirt Under Your Fingernails, the movie. Up next, uh, Deborah Ann Wolf, uh, Chris Messina, Elliot Gould, Steve Coogan, Antonio Banderas, and Annette Benning, Zoe Kazan, and Paul Dano, and Ruby Sparks. Ruby Sparks. Oh, hot damn, I like this movie. Really? <laughs> this is one I'd heard about and heard about and finally, finally got to watch this week. It's directed by the folks who did Little Miss Sunshine. It's written by Zoe Kazan, who stars, and she rejects the label that the character is a manic pixie dream girl but um she's wrong i'm sorry she's wrong about her own art (laughs) it's about a writer who had one big hit now he's you know full of depression and anxiety and is kind of a creep because he's played by paul dano and he writes this like dream woman you know and then she just shows up in his apartment and is like i've been here the whole time what are you talking about i'm not fictional Oh, you're silly. Let's go have fun times. Yay. And it's so goddamn interesting because Mm. it's about what people expect from relationships. What do you get out of the person that you're in a relationship with? Like the person you're in a relationship with can't be your everything. They are not there to fix all of your problems. And a a manic pixie dream girl character makes a lot of sense if a guy, if a man wrote her and brought her to life. Yeah. 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 But she's not her own person. Mm -hmm. She's there to fix all his problems. And then when she starts becoming her own person, he kind of freaks out. And then he starts changing her by writing more. Like, and it, it just, it goes in really weird directions where he's like, oh, she wanted to be with him all the time. She was miserable when he wasn't around. And now she's so fucking clingy that he like can't do anything. <laughs> you know, he, he, he let go of her hand to answer the phone and now she's crying about it and like won't stop crying for hours because he loved me and I was alone and miserable without you. Yeah, it was really interesting. It's, it's nice and short too. It's 90 minutes in and out. Like we, we're not going to overplay this concept. There's a couple, like one or two fun scenes with Annette Benning and Antonio Banderas as his mom and uh, stepdad who I found out like Antonio Banderas showed up and I was like, what? And I found out he only did it because he wanted to meet Annette Benning. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, that's a great reason to be in this movie for two scenes. Good for you, Antonio. <laughs> yeah, Ruby Sparks, I was, I just, huh, didn't expect that. It, in kind of a um, high fidelity sort of way of like, this is a comedy that is saying something about relationships that I feel like I'm kind of learning something. 
All right. She right. says, yeah. having no, been fully I married at this point. Uh, yeah. Hey, he's got to learn, man. <laughs> really? You know, and the last the last two years have been tough. Where it's like we kind of are each other's everything because we're the only people we see because we don't want to get fucking COVID. Mm. Knock on wood. That's worked out for us so far. So we're each other's social lives, uh, and that can be a strain. I'd I'd get a million COVIDs for a thriving dating scene. <laughs> no, but yeah, Ruby Sparks, total recommend. Interesting date movie, funny. Loved it. And um, you're instantly going to associate the next movie with Peter Gallagher, Michigan, <laughs> <laughs> Michigan Gabriel, Catherine McCormick, Ryan Guzman, Step Up, Revolution, Revolution Step Up, the fourth Step yeah. Up movie. The fourth Step Up, they do lots of flash mobs with dance. <laughs> There's also a plot. Who gives a shit? Yeah. Why do they even bother having, I don't know why they bother having a plot. I've in Every one of these I've enjoyed, but that's because when they're talking, I look at my phone, and then when they start dancing, I look up again. Oh, you're gonna <laughs> love Country Bears. You're gonna, I don't have anything to say about Step Up Revolution. Yeah, I, I, the, I, got, I got nothing, guys. It, it, they, no, every number is amazing. That's yeah. what these—they're just an excuse to have a number. Yeah, and, I think it's it's finding yeah. a way to present musicals to teenagers in a way that's more palatable than a fucking singing about yourself singing yeah, plot details there's only so many frameworks you can build a musical around there's mm -hmm. you know we're going to put on a show and there's going to we got to save the rec center yeah this is a <laughs> save the rec center film yeah yep. you know i now i really want to see a save the rec center film told from the developer's standpoint where he's just like yeah it's a pretty standard business deal i'm gonna what? they're dancing what yeah <laughs> 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 How did they get the mayor's son on board? What is going on? Wait, those are slobs and those are snobs. How come they're working together? <laughs> All right, so I I yelled an awful lot about Goldmember, and you know what? If you ah. like it, it's fine. It's not so much I'm mad, I'm disappointed. And I'm going to kind of step back on this next one because that's how I feel about this movie as Me well. too. I'm not mad. I'm just very disappointed. Me too. We got Billy Crudup, Will Forte, Richard Ayude. Am I saying that right? I gotta know that. I've seen him on so many stupid clip shows. How do you say it then? Ayude? Ayode? Ayode? I, I like his voice quite a bit. Uh, jo Jonah <laughs> Hill, uh, Rosemary DeWitt, Vince Vaughn, and Ben Stiller in The Watch. There is an alien invasion happening. We're the neighborhood watch. Anything from outer space, kill it. Nobody touches this till we figure out what it is. You're looking at an alien. I'm looking at the next Justin Bieber. T-shirts, merchandising. My mind's going crazy with this thing. That alien hive turned out to be a local orgy. There's an orgy happening locally. The last thing we want to do is cause a disturbance. Want to we see all a, have a, frowny faces on, listener? You, you want to see a, a bad it. version of uh, the World's End? Watch no, the no, watch. I don't. Uh, yeah. The movie uh, that had to change its title in the wake of the Trayvon Martin case. Yep. Be yes. Yep. Because it turns it out white people wandering their neighborhoods with guns, hunting mysterious dark things, wasn't something people wanted to think about at this mm. point. And and I, ten, 10 years later, I put it on like surely this has been there's a bomb on this by now. Not a bit. It's it's a thoroughly unlikable comedy with a. Almost entirely unlikable cast. Well, the characters, oh. the characters. Okay, yeah, I was the characters. Say, I think there's a lot of talent in this. Totally. It's just, oh hell yeah. Yeah, and 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 again, most of the most of the only laughs I got, I'm like, that's Vince Vaughn clearly improving and Jonah Hill playing off him. Other than that, I hated every second of this. I thought it was terrible, 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 yeah. terrible. Yeah, very, very disappointed. Yeah, just like this is a. 
is a fun idea. Um, yeah, the idea of a neighborhood watch that never finds anything and now it finds the alien invasion. It's like, okay, so we're we're doing attack the block in the suburbs. Okay, we could do that. That's not what this is. Yep. Nope. No attack the block. Any chance? Yeah. Attack the block. Yeah. So Anytime uh, every joke first feels lazy and pointless, and I just I don't get it. Why? Yeah. Why did you want to run with this? With with this? This is a good idea. Why did you Punch put Will Forte in a big role that I never once laughed at? I mean, I always mm. laugh at. Uh, yeah. But this is awful. Remake the watch again. Yeah. Great premise. I don't know that it is. Lot action. I do. I think it's a I solid it one. Your dorky little neighborhood watch encounters the greatest menace ever to humanity. Okay, wait. That, I was going to say a bunch of white guys trying to personally defend their neighborhood with their bodies is something I don't think is fun to think about now. Mm-hmm. But then, like, Ben Siller's character is like, I'm really hoping to meet my first black friend. And he and he does with Richard mm-hmm. Iode. I, I did... That he's immediately like, oh, I hope I get some women here. And like, uh, I'm here to, I'm here for the chicks. And like, oh, I didn't expect this character to take that turn. It doesn't really go anywhere. But uh, most of this movie doesn't really go anywhere. And Costco seems to have underwritten a several a severe portion of it. Exactly. Oh, Steve. So angry, exactly. angry about the watch. I, I, I just, I thought this is uh, like, I mourn the loss of the ensemble comedy in theaters, but not for reasons like this. Uh-uh. Gold member all day, Diana. <laughs> yeah. What, God, that what is did a tough you, call. Which, what did you like one? more, Diana? I would probably Gold watch Goldmember. Yeah, yeah, yeah Goldmember. From... They got some laughs out of it. The Watch. Don't watch it. And don't name your movie that because shitty critics like me can easily make terrible fucking taglines. <laughs> 2002 television, July 22nd through the 28th. Code 9 debuts on Disney television. Yeah, this is a hidden camera reality TV show where youngsters play tricks on their unsuspecting parents. So, yeah. Yeah, so it's payback for all those YouTube channels. Parents being mean to their children. Good. And uh, the only other news I saw in terms of television this week is uh, WWE Raw celebrates its 1,000th consecutive weekly episode. Unbroken. (laughs) 1,000th. Wow. So... Let's see. 50. Um, yeah. <laughs> Go ahead. 1,000 divided by 50. It just celebrated its 25th anniversary. And that's just okay. the show Raw. There was always wrestling on television under different names. But being on Monday night and being titled Raw, it has been, I believe, unbroken on the air every Monday since uh, uh, blah blah year. Um, I don't, I don't know how to do the math wow. either. But yeah, just said it's a 25th anniversary. But yeah, more so. Can you believe that? Because just because... My biggest problem with WWE right now, I'm like, hey, man, this is a lot of wrestling. And people like sports because they take entire seasons off. Give these people a fucking break. Make us miss this. (laughs) And they haven't. And they won't because there's money on the line. Uh, Video games of 2012, a game I've always wanted to like but never did. Jurassic Park Builder is that on iOS. So SimCity on the Super Nintendo is a game I've played a ton of times uh (laughs) other versions of SimCity are objectively superior to it but about once every five years i feel nostalgia itch and i play SimCity on the super nintendo because that's what i like and whatever child had that experience with jurassic park builder will never ever get to replay that game well because it is online only and they took down the servers and you can't emulate it you can't do anything it's just gone. I, for, I We were talking about it on this show or VGA. Uh, technically, there's a Jurassic Park builder game that is one of 
our older game franchise, uh, like a 20 year old franchise. Oh, it's a different title. There's other Jurassic Park builder games out there. Yeah. There's, uh, they, they've been out there for a while. There's other. But they're not Jurassic littered with microtransactions and required to be online only. <laughs> but if this is the version you grew up with, True. you can't ever re experience it ever, 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 ever. It's gone forever. Yeah. I, I know as a preservationist, I feel the loss of those things, but just like, who has the time? Who has the time to relive everything they ever did? Uh, they, they don't, but it's something is always someone's true. favorite thing. I you know? There's a ton of Flash games that in the era of Flash games that like, wow, these are just dead forever then, I guess. Even Internet Archive can't handle these. And then we have Warso on uh, Windows, Mac, and Linux. Never heard of it. What's that about? Open-sourced first-person shooter game. Whoa. Oh, interesting. I don't even know what that means, but... Uh, yeah. Does it, does it have NFTs? Put some more buzzwords in there. Uh, <laughs> Doom not can open code, source? Yeah. Can you code yourself a gun that just shoots chickens at everyone or something? I have exhausted my knowledge <laughs> of this game, guys. Fair <laughs> um, Well, we still have more in store for you. Just a little more in store for you, including we're going to tell you who died during this period and have a fun quiz to engage one who uh, was born during this week of 302010. But uh, we are about to get out of here. So just going to say patreon.com slash laser time, five bucks, extra shows, support the network. Love you guys. Thank you for your support. Video Game Apocalypse this week is going to be a fun one. I'm going to be talking about some stray. And I believe somebody is, at least Matt or Michael are going through the multiverses, Warner Brothers, Smash Brothers, fighting game, <laughs> churn as we speak so yes video game apocalypse die you can follow me on the twitter at listenernerd l-e-c-i-n-e-n-e-r-d or follow show at 302010 podcast that's 302010 podcast coming up next week we have well, a remake of a good movie that didn't need to happen and everyone's forgotten about so that's <laughs> nice we have a big fat greek hit oh boy we have <laughs> a Movie we're going to debate an awful lot about by M. Night Shyamalan. A movie that's really good with one fatal flaw. Fatal flaw that makes up 70% of the Earth's surface. <laughs> hey, remember what you said about Dana Carvey? Being a master is. of disguise? Yeah, motherfuckers. I know what it and is. And also, the beginning of a major franchise. A beloved TV show with a less beloved movie. And it stars Christy Swanson and Luke Perry. Aha. Ooh. Mm. I can speak to that. Oh! Mm. Oh, I just got that. Mm-hmm. It's a packed week, man. It's a packed week. And then that's not even my favorite movie out of the bunch, but we'll get there. JR still on your sabbatical? Still on my social media sabbatical. Mental health is increasing day by day, coincidentally. Sure, there's no correlation there. Not let there there hasn't been literally hundreds of studies showing it. But when I return to my crippling addiction, I mean when I return to social media, I will be back on the Twitter at JR. R-A-L-L-S. And with all that out of the way, we're going to talk, who died during this period of 302010? Oh, man. Well, in 1992, we lost Mary Wells, who's only 49. That was way, way too young for the queen of Motown. You probably best know uh, my guy. You know that song. My oh, wow. That is Nothing young. Nothing you can say take me away from my guy. Except cancer. Oh, boy. Uh, I mean, in 2012. Totally still be alive, yeah. you know. 49 uh, yeah. jesus yeah. she'd still be on tour a lot of her contemporaries are still around yeah you're right she uh, could be on tour today mm -hmm. yeah uh, Smokey robinson wrote most of her songs and knock on wood he's still with us 2012 more fucking cancer god damn it uh we lost sally ride who's only 61 that's the first american woman in space that sucks uh robert ledley who 
was a huge pioneer in using digital technology in medicine, so much so that he's credited as the inventor of the CT scan. Wow. He was 86. And Sherman Hemsley, the 74 of uh, the Jeffersons, amen, a bunch of other stuff. Goddamn. I, I, I Jeffersons couldn't, is so goofy. I couldn't believe that. Just because I never really had a lot of experience with the Jeffersons, but Sherman Helmsley was a guest star on literally every sitcom that ever existed, and it was—he was always a really welcome presence, an inimitable, loud, small, loud, yelly guy who, literally every sitcom he appeared on. Like, uh, and I was always excited to see. Oh, sweet! Before I even knew who, like, oh, it's this guy again. Sweet! I love this guy, Sherman Helmsley. Uh, all right. Well, now it's time for the birthday quiz. Oh, birthday is a doodly doo, a ding dong doodly doodly ding dong doo. Turning an even fifty, hmm. born July twenty third, nineteen seventy two, in New York City, son of a social worker and a supermarket manager. His family were Jehovah Witnesses. Hmm. So it's okay. Not hmm. Donald Glover. <laughs> he was originally considered for the role of Robin in Batman Returns. Oh, Marlon Wayans. Yes. God damn it! That I knew that. <laughs> <laughs> See, I would have known that without knowing Marlon Wayans was twenty. We talked about Mo Money earlier, but yeah, Marlon right. Wayans was yeah. supposed to be Robin. He was signed. He got paid to not be in the movie. Wow. <laughs> he had a deal so that he still receives royalties every year for a movie he never appeared in <laughs> so i was not going to start out with films we talked about like i'm going to get you sucker in 1988 because that would have been too obvious beautiful or the wayans brothers ah. sitcom in 1995 or scary movie or scary movie 2 in 2000 2001 Go little dungeons and dragons gonna, i was going to start out with little man dance Ooh. flick Requiem oh. for a Dream, then move on to Dungeons and Dragons, where he plays Dale. And then I get another one. And Dance Movie, a response to the Step Up franchise, basically. Mm-hmm. A, yeah. Fuck. So he's all of, what do you say, 17, 18, and I'm going to get you, sucker? Damn. Yeah. yeah. Math works out. Super, oh super young. Marlon Wayans, I've liked four things he's been in. I'm assuming he's an okay person. Good on him. Read any and... bad shit about Marlon Wayans? I haven't. So I'm saying, if you've lived this long in this business, <laughs> good for you, buddy. And, I guess uh, so. You got so many. Now, either you have so many family members around you, they keep oh. you in check, or they enable you. And I, you I deliberately did not say that he was born into a house of the youngest of 10 siblings. Oh. Wow. Because I thought that would give it away. Yes, he was born into the house of half the cast of In Living Color. Oh, my Ten. God. I, I always thought Sean was the youngest, but I guess not. Huh? Wow. We haven't talked about how high. All right. All right. Well, happy birthday, Marlon. <laughs> Patreon.com slash laser time. Tell a friend about the show. We love you. Thanks for listening. Let's close out with uh, Sugar Man by Rodriguez. And we'll see you next week, people. Sugar Man, met a false friend on a lonely, dusty road. Lost my heart when I found it. It had turned to dead black holes